how do you combat these high lead costs in today's market? How do we get it to where when people are given a choice between a different company and ours, they choose ours? Every business in the world that's successful, they're never like, man, what's our customer gonna think? You know, people in my market are charging 150 or 160. If you really did your research, most markets, there's somebody there charging six to $800 an hour already. And you're probably looking at them thinking they're ripping people off. The reality is they're the only ones running a legit business. Everybody else is undercutting themselves. If you wanna grow into a business where you don't have to be involved, then you're gonna have to have a marketing budget. You're not gonna live on word of mouth alone. Some guy said, you know, my dad never charged more than 200 and he's a multimillionaire. Yeah, that probably worked up until about three or four years ago. If you're gonna make this sacrifice to like start your own business and leave quote unquote the comfort of another employer, like dude, you gotta like actually do this right. What's up dude? Hey Jared, how's it going? <laughs> going good. Good man. <laughs> Podcast beginnings will never be not funny. Yeah, they'll always be hilarious. <laughs> they're I, just, they're I, just a funny thing. I wonder if there'll be a point where we like just keep making it funny because it's always been funny. Like it's not even honestly funny. We're just like, ha <laughs> No, I doubt it. Yeah, me too. What's going on, man? How's your week? Dude, so I don't remember what I just did to you before this podcast that made me think of this, but mm. <clears throat> I used to work with this. I used to work. <laughs> we used to do a lot of utilitor repairs. Yeah. In the summer times. Mm -hmm. and what, so in Alaska, you got a short summer, long winter. Winter, right. you can't do any outside construction. So mm -hmm. you have to get it all done in this short summer, right? Mm -hmm. And the what way- do you mean short? Like some context here. What does that mean? I don't know. What do we got? Like four months of actual like construction time outside. Yeah, I guess so. Did you work all night in the daylight? Is that how that those shifts were structured or was it no, still just like- No, we just were like 610, 612. Sure, but there wasn't like another crew that would come on and work no. through the night? No, gotcha. uh-uh, nope. Never had the need for that. It's not like road work style. No, usually it's like you're working on a building and so you <clears throat> get the building enclosed and then all winter you work on the inside of the building. Yeah, makes sense. Typically. Mm -hmm. And then usually into the next summer, they're like coming back and paving the parking lots and that mm, kind of stuff. Right, yep, gotcha. Um, what a pain. Yeah, but so <laughs> I used to do a lot of utilitor repairs, mm -hmm. which is on the military bases, all their utilities mm -hmm. are, they have big mm. coal burning power plants and they produce steam and condensate, right? right? Yep. And so they heat everything with steam. The byproduct of using steam is condensate. And then they have sewer and water and electrical. Mm -hmm. And they run it all in these like underground concrete tunnel grid, yeah, right? Gotcha. Under all the houses and yeah, everything. Okay. Kind of next to all the roads. Yeah. Gotcha. <clears throat> and they're usually like four to six feet deep. Mm -hmm. And then they're insulated and all that good stuff. Yeah. Gotcha. And we were going, it's all old, right? So we were mm -hmm. going, we would go in every year and replace a section of it. Mm -hmm. And by the time you got done replacing the last section, mm -hmm. you had to go back and replace the first section. It was like a 32-year cycle, right? So it's super boring. It was, it was fun, dude. I mm -hmm. liked it. Hmm. We were outside. Mm. Just, it was pretty brainless work. Wasn't yeah. hard. Yeah, sure. Same thing every time, huh? Like every segment you Pretty do? much. Yeah, mm -hmm. we'd spend all winter like prefabbing. Sure. So there's like where all the utilitors meet. It's called a manhole. Mm -hmm. That's where you have like valves and mud legs and steam traps right. and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and so we'd prefab all those, mm -hmm. all the big anchors. And and then going uh, like down the utilitor, we'd have racks that everything would sit in. So yeah. we'd prefab all the racks. Gotcha. So then when we got there, they'd dig them up, pull the lids off. We'd go in and demo all the pipe and then mm -hmm. go in and put new racks in mm -hmm. and then put new pipe in. Gotcha. And then go into the manholes and start buttoning up all the different manholes and then turn gotcha. it on you're good to go gotcha 
It was fun. I liked it. It was mm-hmm. outside. I like being outside. It was fun. Was that one of the last jobs you had? No. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nope. I did that my pretty much my whole apprenticeship. That's like mm-hmm. okay, gotcha. all I did. Yeah, was gotcha. Utilidors. Mm-hmm. And then when I turned out the contractor I was working for, they uh they lost their like preferred contractor status mm-hmm. on base. Mm-hmm. And so they weren't allowed to bid on them anymore gotcha. for the next seven years. Oh wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then we moved into like commercial buildings. Mm-hmm. Doing that kind of stuff. You turned out and then you just stayed with the same company? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, for far too long. <laughs> That's right. That's far, right. Far, you were loyal long. to them. You're like, this is yeah. cool. This is how I roll. I'm going to die at this company. And then yeah. you're like, wait a second. Wait a second. There's other things. This I isn't do. as cool as I thought it <laughs> yeah. was. I don't think I want to die at this company. Okay, but I used to work with this really old guy. Mm-hmm. He was an excavator operator. Mm-hmm. So the way we would swing pipe into the utilidor, because it's usually down like four or six feet. Yeah. And so we'd slope the ditch down to the utilidor mm-hmm. and there'd be an excavator sitting up top. Mm-hmm. And he would swing his excavator around and we'd sling up a piece of pipe to the back of his bucket mm-hmm. and he would sling it down into the utilidor. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> like al- like pretty much every day, I'd be signaling him to bring pipe in mm-hmm. and I would always be like, I'd always be working him down and be like, oh, and then I'd go just, and I make him go a little more, <laughs> and he'd stop. And then I make him go a little more, and he'd stop. And I just kept doing it until like it was all like the pipe was on the ground, and then I make him pick it back up. And he never caught on. Oh, so he would just—he was just a dutiful employee who Dude, was just like trying to do a good job. He was such a were, funny old guy. You were just messing with him the whole time. Yeah. And yeah. so I'd be like with my apprentice, and I'd be like, "Watch, watch this. <laughs> we can just—it was funny. It was good times." Mm. He'd fall asleep in his excavator. Oh, do like boss. <laughs> yeah. That was like I worked with this old guy. Super, he was like 60, 65 maybe. Yeah. Um, and he would operate the forklift. And when you operate a forklift and you put it in reverse, first off, there's a beeping sound that he couldn't hear. Nice. So he wouldn't know if he was parked in reverse. And then he also wouldn't know if he was parked with the parking brake on or with the parking brake off because it'd go, but he couldn't hear that frequency. Uh-huh. So he'd just be on his phone sitting in the forklift. And I'd be like, James, James. He'd be like, <laughs> he'd be like, what? And I'd be like, dude. Your parking brake's on. <laughs> like, you don't know. He's like, oh, I got to put my parking brake on. And then he's just this old guy kind of. He'd also drive the plow truck, which was a little scary, driving Sounds around scary. aircraft. Yeah. He'd do the, I go backwards. And then two seconds later, I look over my shoulder. And so you just see him like, and you're like, dude, this guy's going to kill somebody. Yep. He was a good dude, though. Yeah. Good. <laughs> good old dudes. <laughs> he never broke anything. Uh, dude, this guy, when I started working... I worked for that same company for 12 years. Mm-hmm. When I started, this old guy that I was working with, he was he had to be like in his 90s. And When you started? Yeah, but I last time I went to Fairbanks, like literally like 20 years later, yeah. I saw him. He still looks exactly the same. Was he I'm just, like, dude, do you not age? Was he what if How he was old just, are you? Yeah, what if he was just like 50 and he just nobody, looked really old? Nobody knows how old he is. He won't tell anybody. <laughs> He he knows he's like he's embarrassed. He's like I'm <laughs> forty five, dude, like, and I look no. like I'm ninety. No, he looked <laughs> he was definitely old. Mm. Yeah, he'd only come up for the summers. He was a uh, oh, okay. He was a pecan farmer oh, at a pecan gotcha. farm in Georgia. Yeah, that's cool. And then he'd come up and run an excavator. Yeah, he lo- he loved. Oh, he just equipment. liked it. Yeah. Gotcha. He owned a bunch of equipment that he'd mm-hmm. rent out to the fire service. Mm, gotcha. Made a bunch of money that way. That's a good gig, man. Rent out big mm-hmm. equipment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty decent. Hmm. Yeah. Man, what are we talking about today? What are we getting into? No, I don't know. <laughs> well, you're the, you're the topic master. You, uh, you literally just gave me that job in the last 
two seconds. Two seconds. That said that. No, yeah. we were going to do a uh, state of the union as far as yeah, I think that'd you know, be good. where the market is. You know, I was having a conversation with <clears throat> my brother. My mm-hmm. brother owns a marketing company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been listening to a bunch of podcasts and stuff and mm-hmm. getting, you know, I'm always researching, trying to get better, get more information, understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I think my brother, I was talking to my brother and he was like, you know, I got a lot of, there's a lot of people who, and we see this all the time, mm. who hire a marketing company and then three months later, six months later, they're like, I'm not getting enough leads and sure. so they leave marketing company, mm. right? And I think a lot of people are blaming the plumber. Like all the marketing companies will blame the sure. plumber. I kind of blame, I'm blaming both of them. Mm. Um, I think it's probably more the plumber's fault, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it should be the marketing companies, you mm. know, the marketing company should be educating as much as possible their client. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, if the marketing company is telling you that everything's going good, but you're not getting leads, it's like hard to believe them, right? Yeah, sure. So there's a huge problem with, you know, already to begin with of hire a marketing company, six months later, fire a marketing company, right. hire a new marketing company, mm-hmm. six months later, fire a new marketing company. All of these marketing companies suck. right. Um, what do we do, right? Right. And then now you throw in the situation of today, we're you know past COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, right Business now was good in COVID. Yeah, right now search volume is is at the lowest it's ever been in the last five years. Wow. Right. And so what happened? What I think happened is quick question. Yeah. Is that search volume comparable to pre-COVID? Um, it's lower than pre-COVID. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. So, yep. okay. So this is then like. Mm. It's not has it is like the lowest we've seen in a long time. Five years. Okay, so in five years, but the five years previous, it would this be like a normal low in the search? I volume? think we're going back to what's considered normal at this gotcha. point, right? Okay, yep, yep. Coming and I off think the COVID eye, and we've been headed there for a while. Sure, yeah. Um, and mm. because I saw the writing on the wall, I saw the rising sure. ad costs in my business, right? And so. I want to talk about like where we're at today mm-hmm. and then what we can do about it to, you know, solve that problem sure. in our businesses, sure. especially for these guys who are, you know, what it looks like for the guys who are just getting involved Yeah, and maybe not completely solve the problem, but at least help out and bypass the problem and how to deal with it. Right. Yeah. Maybe provide yeah. some frameworks of how to think about this problem. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. So we're at an all time low, mm-hmm. right? In search volume. Sure. So that means people picking up their phone and searching plumber or water heater mm-hmm. or whatever is at an all-time Is that a five-year low? Did you learn why? Why do you think that is? So we had pre-COVID, you know, five years ago, basically, mm-hmm. pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. It was, we're at normal numbers, okay? Okay. Um, then everybody's sitting at home because everybody got sent home for COVID. Right. Everybody's sitting there getting stipends from the government. Mm-hmm. And they're thinking, okay, I got to figure out, like, they're looking at their house and they're like, well, I'm going to do this remodel over here. Yeah, I'm going to look at my house every day. I guess I can finally fix that mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Or, you know, they're at home pooping in their own toilets now yeah, versus sure. at work pooping in toilets. They're right? like, man, these toilets do suck. I should probably get these things looked at. Yeah. Or they're just clogging them more because they're actually <laughs> yeah. using them, right? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> um, so just naturally demand goes up, right? And right. so call volume pretty much goes to like an all-time high. Sure. Um, not call volume, but search volume. Yeah. So people going to Google, 
at searching for plumber all-time high during COVID. Mm -hmm. And so what we saw is we saw tons of plumbing companies start up, Mm -hmm. grow with this high call volume. We saw tons of private equity firms come in and start buying up all these plumbing companies because they're doing so well. Yeah. Um, And now everybody's gone back to work pretty much and numbers are low. Economy's down a little bit. Mm-hmm. People aren't wanting to spend as much money. I'm pooping in somebody else's toilet. They're pooping back at work now. That's why I come here for podcasts. They're not looking at their nasty old water heater. They're not right. having to drink their water at home, so they don't mm-hmm. care about the quality of their water as much. Mm-hmm. They're not having to look at their faucet as often sure, or their bathroom. Or the other way to think about that is everybody's already got new stuff already. Right? Yeah, sure. They've and, already got their thing fixed. Their mm-hmm. their list has been taken care of. Mm-hmm. And new stuff doesn't break as often, right? Yeah. So now call volume is back to pre-COVID normal, right? Um, and so everybody's going, hey, marketing company, I'm, I'm not getting enough mm-hmm. leads for what I'm paying you. And they're hopping marketing companies. Yeah. The other thing that's happening is like you've got, if you're in a market where there's you know, a PE firm who made an acquisition, right? Yeah, can you walk, can you walk me through that? What do you mean? Like, define PE firm and why I should care. Like, I got a buddy in who grew his business, sold it for $9 million, grew it in a few years during COVID, mm. really the tail end of COVID, he grew mm. it. Um, and he got bought out by a private equity firm. Gotcha. So that's a firm that literally just goes around and buys businesses. Gotcha. And so he was in an area where there was a private equity firm that already owned a couple companies around him. Okay. And they wanted to get into the market that he was in mm-hmm. and he had that market. So they just came in and made him a really good offer and scooped him up. Mm-hmm. What's the advantage of the private equity firm like getting into these other markets? Like they just make more money for their shareholders or whatever? Yeah. So their they're investors, I suppose. Yeah. They're typically going in They're They're going in and they're like if they buy four businesses all in one area mm-hmm. and then lump them under one roof, mm-hmm. then and they the, can... Then, that roof is a private equity firm? Yeah. Okay. Or it could be like a holding company. Sure, right? sure, like an that LLC. the private equity yeah. firm owns, right? Okay, gotcha. Um, so then, number one, that company's worth way more. So their net worth went up, mm-hmm. right? They can mm-hmm. borrow more sure. money, And whatever. it's worth more just because it's bundled together? Yeah, because it has higher revenue. So higher oh, revenue, higher, sure. higher okay. profit dollar amounts, right? Yep. Higher yep. EBITDA. Yep. And so now it's naturally worth a higher multiple. Yeah, because instead of having one company that's doing $1 million, yep. now they have, air quotes everybody, one company that's actually like four or five different plumbing companies that's yeah. doing $10 million, we'll just say. Yeah, with maybe $3 million in EBITDA, right? Right, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yep, and so that company will sell for like $30 million. Right, And gotcha. they may have gone back and bought all the all four of those companies for you know $5 million a piece or whatever. Mm, right? Gotcha. So they they have a $10 million upside yeah. in that instance. Do those private equity firms, do they go and like rebrand these companies or anything like that? Or are they just trying to Some, buy companies and hold them until they can buy more companies in the area? I don't really know. I'm not an expert in this game, but um, I know there's, there's companies that do both. There's sure. private equity that comes in and they run separate brands. Mm-hmm. There's... Um, private equity groups that come in and they rebrand everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's both. Hey, if you want to take your plumbing business to the next level, you're going to want to join our coaching program over at Wealthy Plumber, where you can get everything you need to grow a multi-million dollar plumbing company, including pricing calculators, SOPs, email campaigns, and the whole nine yards. If you want to check it out, go to wealthyplumber.com. That is wealthyplumber.com. 
I guess it just depends on the, the goal of the private equity company. Yeah. Yeah. And, and really, I think it boils down to what their expertise. Sure. Yeah. And there's companies that come in and they'll like strategically buy lump together and then resell. Sure. And they're just making money that way. And they resell to another private equity firm? Typically, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's companies that come in and they just buy and hold. Sure. So they might be buying up like, you know, mm. $5 million companies around the nation mm-hmm. and they may be expertise in growing them to $10 million companies mm-hmm. and then they hold. Gotcha. And the and the way they're making their money because they're buying a company at, that's doing $5 million in revenue. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're doing a million, million and a half in EBITDA. Mm-hmm. And then they're they're buying them in good markets where they can then grow them to a ten million dollar company, and now they're doing you know ten million and you know three to four million in EBITDA, mm-hmm. and so they've just doubled the value of the business by growing it. Right. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. So let's break down EBITDA. EBITDA is, I mean, it's basically just how much money your business really makes. Sure. In layman's terms, right? Why Why is sometimes that unfamiliar term to people in the business world? Like you have a business. In your example, when was mm-hmm. the first time you heard of EBITDA? Like mm-hmm. that term being used. When I read the book, Built to Sell. Gotcha. But nobody like... Which is a great book, by the way. Mm-hmm. If everybody should go read Built to Sell. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, cool. But yeah, I talked about EBITDA. Mm-hmm. It's basically when you go to sell, it's like your business when you own it, pays mm-hmm. a bunch of your personal expenses, plus it pays you. Sure. Um, and so when you go to sell, mm. they need to have an accurate picture of like how much money the business actually makes. Yeah. Like out of all the expenses, you basically take how much money the, the revenue that the business comes in and you subtract, mm. you take the profits and then you add on to the profit margins mm everything that the business pays for you. So right? your EBITDA will be typically higher than just your raw profit? Yeah, typically. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And then, yeah, and they'll usually go in and do an analysis and mm-hmm. figure out exactly what your EBITDA is and then mm-hmm. give you an offer. Yeah. And they and not everybody calculates it the same either. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so it's like some people, like if you've got a coach, for instance, some like holding companies will leave that in there. They won't. Sure. They won't count it towards your profit. They'll leave it in there as a business cost. Right. Um, those kinds of things. Mm, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. That makes sense. Yeah. It's good to know. I just don't think because I know ne- I didn't hear that term until you brought it up, and I was like, "That's a fun, fun term." But mm-hmm. it's an acronym too, so it's not even. It's not yep. a word. It's an acronym. Yep. I don't remember what it stands for, but yeah, I think it's E B I T E B I T D A. Yeah. Yep. E B I T D A. Um. Yeah, so you've got that's and that's like part of the problem now is you've got these private equity firms. Mm-hmm. Like, if you were to go try to start up a business or you have a business currently in an area where private equity came in and they bought four businesses in your market mm-hmm. and they're backed by a ton of money because they haven't because they're backed by essentially investor dollars, right? Yes, and so and they want to keep like they don't mind if they're not making money during slow times. They just want to mm. break even. Right. Interesting. So they're gonna be they're gonna be willing to spend whatever it takes to get why did phone why did, calls. Why do they just want to break even? Like what's it's not that they want to break even, but like most of these these private equity companies, they're mm-hmm. in it for the long haul, right? Oh, so, so they're just seeing this as a cycle in the market. It's just a cycle in the market. Gotcha. They know like they know they just gotta get through the cycle. Mm-hmm. But for them to get through the cycle, they got 
tons of money that they're backed by. So it's not yeah. a big deal, right? Because they can probably go to their investors and be like, hey, this is a low cycle. Mm -hmm. You need to give me more money so that we can cover costs, but I can still promise you X amount of return on the money you give me. I don't know if they go and get more money or if they just have money available, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, yeah for them to pay extra mm. for the search volume is no big deal. Yeah, it's just part of the game. Yeah, and so... Mm -hmm. Because the way that's working is like with Google AdWords, all those kinds of things, you've got a limited number of searches, right? Mm -hmm. And so right now, the amount of searches is down. Right. Historical low for the last five years. Um, and so, and there's more players in the game. So five years mm -hmm. ago, there were less players. Now there's the same search volume, but more people trying to buy those searches. Yes, right? because out of COVID, lots of people started their own business yep. and they did okay, so mm -hmm. their business is still here. Mm -hmm. So there's just more businesses buying for less available material. Yep, yep. And it's just a cycle. Like what's going to ultimately happen is the businesses that didn't mm -hmm. really start up and grow like a really legit business and yeah. just relied on pay-per-click, mm -hmm. They're gonna go out of business, sure. If they don't pivot, mm -hmm. and that's there's it's, that's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. There's gonna be quite a few of them that do that, mm -hmm. that end up just tanking, and then it just opens up more space in the market. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you know if you have a PE firm in your market? Um, I would think so. Pretty sure you can go look up who owns any company. It's all public data. Gotcha. Yeah. Would that be a helpful thing to do? No, I don't okay. think so. I mean. Cost to acquire a customer is what it is, right? Sure. And so what the PE firms are going to do is if it, if it's costing them a lot to acquire a customer, what do you think they do? Well, I guess it probably depend on their margins. Like if you had a hundred man plumbing business and you were in a market and you were the dominant player and ad costs go up, mm -hmm. what do you do to compensate for that? Well, check my understanding of scale. Uh -huh. But at that point, they might not have to do anything because they have an economy of scale. They do, but they do have an economy of scale, but economy of, like, economy of scale only gets you so far. Sure. Right? But what I'm saying is that they could raise their prices, mm -hmm. but if they're just trying to break even then they could also keep their prices the same and just be the guy who's not raising prices and keep customers yep. and then take a hit, even though they have to spend more on marketing. They're probably spending more on marketing, getting less phone calls, and they're probably raising prices on their customers. Sure. I almost guarantee it. Sure. Because you look at any big company that's owned by a PE firm, mm -hmm. and they're all top dollar. Right. None of them are low dollar. Sure. Because they understand that if you just, it's just a game of sure. if you charge more, you make more. Sure. The everybody on TikTok says, "Oh yeah, just charge your customer <laughs> double and you make more." And they're like, "Oh yeah, everybody." Um, what did I say? I said that to like about the yard guy. Yeah, dude, yeah. so much hate on like. I know your TikTok fans are voracious, man. Dude, they are. They get after you about everything. It's it was like they were like, "Oh yeah, typical TikTok guy, just charge more, make more." But too bad that doesn't work in reality. I'm like, it actually does. Like, yeah. that's just how it works. Right. If you charge double, you can serve half the amount of people. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Nope. Too good to be true. So they're typically they're going in and they're just willing to pay more for a lead. Yeah. Right. Well, and I guess because they have economy of scale, if they increase their prices and they lose certain customers, they're like, eh, it's fine. Yeah. Like those customers that they lose aren't like making it or breaking it for them in that moment. Nope. Yeah. 
doesn't matter. Yeah. And the thing, the thing with the PE firm is that, you know, they're going to have a hard time going and doing like the things that a small plumbing company can do. Sure. So they're going to have a hard time going in and doing like boots on the ground, guerrilla marketing, getting, getting real active on social media yeah. because they don't have like a business owner who can be like, okay, this is all getting crazy. Yeah. I'm going to make this work. Right. Yeah. They don't have that in their business. Because typically, are you saying that it's a number of small businesses controlled by a PE firm, and -hmm. so there's just more complexity when it comes to the managers of these businesses making decisions? Yeah, it's just a big business. So it's harder to pivot. It's harder for them to do things that that take Mm -hmm. a lot of like physical energy, rather than just pay for a lead. Yeah. So they're yeah, we- sure. Oh, okay, I understand. It's yeah. e- it's simpler for them. Keeps their business model more simple to say, why don't you just pay more, more money for the lead? Yeah. And we can raise prices. Yep. Easy peasy. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's how they're, you know, weathering the storm. And then sure. they know that if they just continue to outbid everybody, then it's going to put other people out of business and open up more room in the market for them, which means they just own the market even more. Mm-hmm. And then you know, they control the labor, they control the leads, right? they control the market, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <coughs> Which is kind of what we do in Fairbanks, Alaska. Right. Even though we're not owned by a PE firm, we don't have any PE firms in, in <laughs> yeah. Fairbanks, Alaska. Yeah. So yeah. we're able to go in and, and basically have the same play of like, okay, I will outspend everybody mm-hmm. on marketing and I'll outpay everybody's employees and I'll give them all better benefits. We'll mm-hmm. give them all a better place to work. And so we control the leads. We control the labor. We basically control the market right. at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of do the same bland Fairbanks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It seems like if you're in a smaller market in this current time, mm-hmm. that seems to be to your favor. Is that true? I don't know because like we still see rising ad costs even. Sure even with, you know, our small market. So is that just because that's like a global Google thing where they're just going to so bring up ad costs? Think about everywhere? it. Even even in my town, we've oh, got, sure. you know, yeah, know, calls. 15, 20 people all bidding for mm. the limited search volume. Sure. Search volume's down. It's down in Fairbanks, Alaska as well. Mm-hmm. So that means there's less people going to search, which means more competition for the volume that's mm-hmm. there, which means that we have to pay more, right? Mm-hmm. So we've been we've been very effective at combating that mm-hmm. with the way the way we pivoted. It's probably what 2 years ago now. How long have you worked for me? Not even 2 years ago. Maybe like what month is it? We're coming in August. It's August. Middle of August. So almost a year. So you've worked for me for almost a year. Almost, I think. So it's been about a year and a half then. Mhm. Since we've been really pushing hard on social media, mm-hmm. branding efforts, community mm-hmm. involvement. Sure. Yeah. Thinking outside the vein of pay-per-click. Yeah. Because what happened to us is like, and I think all this started about a year and a half ago. Yeah, sure. You mean like all the costs started to go up because mm-hmm. people started to search plumber less? Yep. Search mm-hmm. volume started to go down about a year and a half ago. Actually, that makes sense. And so Com- now it's finally caught up to the point where everybody's starting to feel the squeeze. Mm-hmm. Competition, mm-hmm. Went in, competition went up. And so there's more people competing for the search volume and then search volume started to slow down, right? right? So naturally it started to cost more to buy a, a lead off of pay-per-click mm-hmm. and leads other lead services, mm-hmm. right? It's not just pay-per-click, it's all mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. So 
Because, like, we know a guy who he was, you know, he basically grew his business off pay-per-click. Right. And he was doing really, really well during COVID. But then about a year and a half ago, he noticed his pay-per-click leads were getting more and more and more expensive. Yeah, yep. And he he didn't do anything about it. He just kept trying to spend more to get more. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he started getting diminishing returns because there was the search volume was going down as he was trying to spend more. So he was just getting the same amount of leads for more money, right? Yeah. So he kept having to raise his prices to make up for that fact, mm-hmm. but it only worked to a certain point. Sure. Um, to where he was, and he, it, you know, if talking to him, he probably could have raised prices even more and mm-hmm. probably weathered it a little better. Mm-hmm. But he was, you know, he was up to $100,000 months in AdWord campaigns, yeah. trying to keep his $5 million a year plumbing business operating. Mm, so that's sure. a million two just in AdWord spend. Yeah. That's a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So I remember talking to him early on in the in that because we were kind of seeing the same thing in my business was mm-hmm. rising Google AdWords costs. And I had to, I floated rising costs for a few months and then we pivoted in those few months to putting out massive amounts of social media content, spending mm-hmm. massive, massive amounts on social media, mm-hmm. going to local trade shows, going to home shows, sure. um, sponsoring sports teams, getting on more, doing more YouTube ads, um, mm-hmm. more Facebook, more Instagram, mm-hmm. all that good stuff. Got on OTT, mm. just started to really preach my brand into the community, mm-hmm. right? Um, and we were we turned our AdWords off for a good seven to eight months. Sure, completely wow. turned it off. Mm-hmm. And now we we I just turned it off again. Actually, I probably turned it off too late because we were mm. getting swamped. Mm-hmm. So, so now we turn on AdWords when it's slow, which is everybody would tell you that's backwards, but. I don't, our problem is when it's busy, we get way too busy. We don't have enough labor to keep sure. up with it. Yeah. So we just, we turn them off and then we save our money and we we outspend everybody else when it's slow. Ah, uh, so you sort of bank that money. Mm-hmm. Mm, gotcha. And then we're able to spend more when it's slow and still control the leads when it's slow. Yeah. And then nobody else can afford to do it at that point. Yeah, because they weren't saving money. Yeah. And our cost per click is much lower now because our brand equity in the market is so good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So sure. brand equity in the market translates to lower cost per click. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. But that takes time. It takes time to develop that. Yes. And a lot of people like, you know, make the mistake of when they're trying to build brand equity, they'll try to build brand equity in, you know, their entire market versus mm. just developing it in one small locale first. Right. And then moving on from there. Because the more, like if you have a limited budget to spend on right. brand equity. Right, which most do. Yep. The more the more people you try to reach with that limited budget, the more watered down your results are going to be. Right, so right. it's just going to take even longer to actually put enough equity in there that it actually means yeah. something. If I have $100 and I have, it costs me a dollar to get in front of one person's eyeballs. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to get in front of, say it costs me a dollar a day, and I wanna get in front of 100 people's eyeballs, and I wanna get in there every single day, well, then I can spend a dollar a day and get in front of them every day. Mm-hmm. But if I have 200 people and the same $100 budget, I'm only gonna get them every other day, right? right? And so what people are doing, like they're in huge cities where there's millions of people. Yeah, and they're just shooting it out to the whole And they're just shooting bang. out to everybody. 
and it's yeah. not doing any good, right? Yeah. Versus picking like, you know, 20,000 people maybe yeah. and spending like three to 4,000 just on that small 20,000 market mm-hmm. um, and hitting them up to where they're seeing your stuff like, you know, between all the other sources, seeing you like 10 to 20 times a month. Yeah. That would be ideal, right? Mm-hmm. And then that's how you start building brand equity. Mm. So they see your vans, they see your social ads, they see your social content, mm-hmm. they see your YouTube mm-hmm. ad, sure. commercial. We'll call yeah. it a commercial. Sure. They see your YouTube commercial. Mm-hmm. I'm like, do we call it an ad or do we call it a <laughs> I th- commercial? I think it's an ad because it says skip ad. You know, YouTube will define it. There you it go. So we s- they see your YouTube ad, they see you on, you know, OTT, Hulu, Netflix. And then they see you on the back of their kids' sports jerseys. Right. Then they go to, you know, a local event and you're there with a booth and you can talk to them. Right. Like they've seen you a ton. Your brand equity is really high, mm-hmm. right? And we talk about this a lot, but what's going to happen when they go search you on Google AdWords and they have a choice of two plumbers and you're one of them. Right. And they've seen you all over the place. Your brand equity is good. They're going to call you. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how... Mm. And th- those are the kind of plays that you can do that these bigger firms have a harder time doing, right? Yeah. Just organizationally, it's more difficult because there's more shareholders that have yep. to have buy-in. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And they can't, like, they're not going to go hire a social media company that's going to put out 50 to 60 pieces of content every month. Yep. No, And I mean, there's a, there's a big hesitancy <coughs> to do that, to your point. Like, I talked to, mm-hmm. um, I talked to a big franchise for Plum Social. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I was on the call with like six other people. Yeah. And I could just tell that it was too much of a stretch for them. Yeah. Because they're just like, man, this is like, there's too much at stake in their minds mm-hmm. because they're thinking our brand reputation as a franchise is this. Mm-hmm. And how we do it, it's geared towards, well, we need to get in front of people, but entertaining them is really important. Yeah. And so I could tell that there was just like, this is, we can't control this well enough. Yep. So I, they didn't move on it, which I didn't expect them to. Yep. And because again, when you get that many people to make a decision, we got six different people. Yeah. And like, there's not an obvious like, "Hey, pay me this, and I'll get you this in yes. return." And that, right? and, and again, it seems to me that because the results for pay per click have been really good through COVID, mm-hmm. that everybody's conditioned that advertising exists as a I pay you this and you get me this. Yep. And this is the relationship that we have. Yep. And if we don't have this relationship. That's satisfact that's satisfactory, then somebody's at fault. Yep. And it's probably you, the marketing company, who aren't delivering. Yep. And so there's this false sense of a relationship because everybody's not everybody, but most, not even about most, but all these companies who started in COVID, mm-hmm. they have a beautiful perception of the power of pay-per-click and advertising and direct response advertising. Yep. Because they saw they came in when it was great. Yep. Like, man, this is awesome. It's kind of yep. like if you uh moved into an area with no traffic and then suddenly there's traffic. You're like, well, what's going on? Suddenly there's traffic. It's like, dude, you came here when there was no traffic. Like now there's traffic. Yeah. Now it's different. Yep. It's just the way it is. Yep. So now you got to figure the side roads out so you can avoid some of this traffic. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> so going back to like, we kind of, we kind of understand the problem now. Right. So the problem is less leads, more people bidding at them, higher lead costs, people that are just used to leads, want like leads, like the ROI on leads, mm. <laughs> willing to pay lots of money for leads. Yeah. So what do we do as a company who, you know, maybe we're just starting out or maybe we are 
doing 5 million in revenue or what? Like, how do you combat these high lead costs mm. in today's market? What do you do about it? Um, it's probably the same answer for the smaller, just starting out guy mm-hmm. and the guy doing 5 million, right? And mm-hmm. my first guess would you still need to raise your prices to accommodate mm-hmm. that, right? Yeah, I think so. I think you have to not be afraid to mm. to spend more for lead, number one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, e- but even if you spend more, you're still going to be limited on your leads, I yeah. believe, right? So the question becomes like, how do we optimize the... Oh, sure. Ex- like, how do we optimize that, right? Sure. How do we... How do we get it to where when people are given a choice between a different company and ours to choose ours? Mm-hmm. How do we make that happen? Mm-hmm. Um, and it boils down to just like we were talking about, just brand equity, building yeah. brand equity. Yeah. So then it's almost like because you were fortunate that you began building your brand equity when you didn't have these higher costs to yeah. get leads. Mm-hmm. But these guys who aren't in that position, they're having to do all this at the same time, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I guess the question is what can you do that doesn't cost you a ton of money that you can begin to build that brand equity so yep. that in you know a couple of years you have brand equity and then you can it's easier for you to let's see what should we say stomach the cost of higher pay-per-click or compete in that space or yep. something like that yeah i think you want to like tommy Mello always talks about just owning that space sure like mm, sure he says are you priced high enough to where you can own google in your area, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good way to look at it. Um, maybe you can't own it because your market's so huge and there's huge players there, right. but you can own a piece of it, right? right? You should be priced where you can get a piece of it, yeah. where you can actually participate, right? Yeah, sure. Because again, if those PE firms, if they're charging a whole bunch of money, mm-hmm. that gives you permission to charge a whole bunch of money too. Yep. Um, provided you don't suck at what you're doing. Yep. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know a, I don't know a single like PE firm company that I've noticed that's under like five hundred an hour. And it makes sense too because yeah. a PE firm looks at. I mean, they look at these businesses that they buy from a business perspective. Uh-huh. So when we ever talk about building a company of value, the uh-huh. point is like you're probably going to sell to a PE firm, uh-huh. like because that's typically who's going to be buying, and they're uh-huh. going to be looking for primarily profitability, uh-huh. and then they're going to look for okay, how can I scale you? Do you have the right things in place for me to actually grow you so that I can make money off of you? Yep. And those companies are the ones who run businesses. Yep. And what happens is plumbing companies don't really set themselves up as businesses; they nope. set themselves up as alternative to a previous job. So yeah, <laughs> I, I went into plumbing because this is, or I started my plumbing business because this is a viable alternative to the job that I used to have for somebody else Yeah, because of fill in the blank. And they just end up with a really crappy job. They do. Yeah. And sometimes it takes a while to realize that because you don't have a bookkeeper. And so you don't really know like how hard it is until you've gone a full year and you're like, holy crap, that was miserable. <laughs> like, Why is there no money left in my yeah. bank account? Yeah. Or you offer under like some, you know, limiting beliefs. Like, well, if I just get more leads, mm-hmm. I will be able to make this happen. Right. And so right now we're in a time where it's going to become impossible for you to get more leads. So everybody out there who's saying like, well, I like to play the game of like more. So if I get more leads, I can hire another guy because I have more work. So I need to get a marketing company who can just get me more leads. Now that argument's going to be off the table. 
because yep. it's unaffordable to get more leads unless you raise your prices. Yeah, so you, yeah, totally. You have to raise your prices to get the leads and then you have to start working on optimizing people picking you over somebody else. Yeah. So building that brand equity into the community, like getting on social media, creating lots of content, putting money behind that content to get it out in the community, going and doing community involvement projects, mm-hmm. um, not being afraid to be different and funny on social media either. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, don't, true. Don't just be normal and do lame stuff, right? Yeah, don't take yourself so seriously that it becomes a disadvantage. Yeah, be be silly and different, yeah. right? Um, I mean, attract, be loud, attract attention. Yeah, attract attention. It's like the guy who owns Rhino, I always watch him and and he's like, <clears throat> he always comes back to the, I shipped my pants, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Rocketed Kmart to, you know, tons of online sales or whatever. Right. Um, which is funny because I think a Kmart and a, I don't even know if, is there a Kmart that exists anymore? I don't know. Are they still I, I don't in know business? Maybe some, maybe like up on the East Coast or something. Yeah. I haven't seen a Kmart in a long time. Anyway, don't be afraid to ship my pants kind of stuff, right? Yeah, but I mean like even like Geico is a great example. Yep. Um, even, um, what's the insurance company with the guy who's got, he's always like, he's always pretending to be that natural disaster. Um, I want to say it might be progressive, but I'm not sure. Oh, maybe. Progressive's I, got that that weird lady. Oh, Flo? Flo. But here's the thing. Progressive used to be serious. They, yeah. I, there was actually an ad campaign where they positioned themselves against Geico, and they would say stuff like, we're progressive. The guys who are serious about business, not like the other guys. Essentially saying that, like, you can't trust Geico because he's a silly gecko. <laughs> yeah. And then Geico was like, okay. But then the yeah. funny thing is, is they flipped, and now they're comical. Think about all the commercials that you want to watch during the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, like... They're all funny, yeah. right? Except for the farmer's insurance, which is always pulling out my heartstrings. Yeah. Which they do, like, for that to work, you have to be exceptionally good at it. Yep. Because if you can't effectively run an ad campaign that can tap into the more uh, melancholy emotions, the more sadder emotions, you just look like an idiot. Like, you look like you're yeah. grant, like you're, you're soapboxing. And yep. suddenly you're like, you should feel sad for this. You're like, boo! Yep. Make me laugh. <laughs> yep. like, nobody cares. Yep. I'm watching the Super Bowl, dude. I'm not that sad right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I was thinking about going on. There's a site called Cameo where you can go pay. Yep. I don't know. They're not like celebrities. They're what? Like, They're like B-list. B-list. Is yeah. that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. B-list celebrities. Yeah. You can pay them. You can give them a script and they'll read your script. And mm-hmm. Like they'll just, they just film it on their iPhone and then they send it to you. Yep. You pay them like 250 bucks. Yep. So you can go pay like Tony Hawk or mm-hmm. any of those B-list celebrities right. um, to create ads for you. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be a great way. Yep. Because, and the way I was thinking about doing it is picking a holiday, picking the holiday for the year or got making a list of the holidays and then mm-hmm. picking like two people for each holiday, to mm-hmm. pay them to do a cameo, like, mm-hmm. hey, and call out your local market. Right. And then just wish them a happy holiday. Yeah. Or, Hey, have a great, you know, Thanksgiving or yep. whatever and run that for a month. Yep. And then you can use it again the next year. Yep. Oh, I thought yeah. I thought it'd be good. Yep. For pretty cheap too. I wonder if you can use those as ads. Um, I think you can. Yeah. I don't see why not. Yeah. Pretty sure you can. Yeah, I wonder if you like own the rights to the video once you purchase it from the celebrity. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. Maybe they maybe they have to like check a box, like, oh, I'm good with you sending this as an advertisement. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I've never done it. Yeah. yeah, we'll have to ask. Costin got me. My son got me that mm-hmm. the for chocolate rain guy yep. for my birthday. Yeah, when when he told me that at first, I didn't know what he was talking about. Had you not like, seen the chocolate rain video? No, I've seen. No, I didn't know that there was a thing where he could get that guy to personalize a message. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I was like, that can't exist. Like that sounds so like. What is this? But then I saw it and I was like, is this even real? And then I was like, wow, that's is an interesting service. Like it is. It's cool. It is cool, especially for the the celebrities who are doing it where it's like, oh yeah, I got to yeah. make a 12 second video on my iPhone and I made $200. Like, I, dang, dude. Yeah. I wonder how much of that they get. Like, what's their cut? Oh uh, yeah, sure. Because they probably have to be positioned on that site. Anyways, we could probably go into that rabbit trail yeah. for a long time. <laughs> I imagine it's a pretty good cut though. Yeah. I bet. But even still, because it, it can pencil so well, again, 12 seconds of your time to read a script, you don't even have to do it very well. No. Because like you as the guy who's purchasing is going to be like, dude, I got this guy. <laughs> yeah. And it's even funny he messed it up. Yeah. Like I'd be stoked to have Tony Hawk. Yeah. Saying, what's up, Jared? Yeah. Do a kickflip for me <laughs> on your birthday. You know? Yeah. yeah. That'd be cool. Hmm. Yeah. Um, anyway, go on social media. Don't be scared to do that stuff, right? Yeah. Um, work, actively work on building your brand in the community. Is it going to be hard? Is it going to take a lot of work? Yes. Yeah. But is it going to be worth it? Absolutely. Or maybe not even worth it isn't the right term. Probably necessary is probably a better is it, term. Is it necessary? Absolutely. Because like, think about it if you don't. Because yep. if you don't do those things. If you don't do those things, you're just going to be relying on rising lead costs for yeah. until they go back down. Yeah. Which they're probably going to go back down. Sure. Because people aren't going to invest in their brand. They're not going to build their branded equity and mm. they're going to get stuck with in a bad spot Yeah, where they have super high lead costs and still not enough work and they're not making enough money and can't pay their bills. And really, when you think about investing in your brand, like you have to think about it in the next like five year cycle. So that in five years, when you start to see, as you say, the lead costs go down, yep. you're already positioned favor- favorably because you're building that brand equity. Yep. And then further along down the road, when costs go back up, you're like, dude, I'm already yep. in my market. Yep. Like I've moved on from this as like a problem that's going to break my business. And now I've moved on to different problems. Yeah. You know, like you can take like Gettle, for instance, mm-hmm. they build, they solely focus on brand equity. Like the mm. only pay-per-click he pays for is his name, right? Oh yeah, sure. So he's not feeling it. Yeah. He doesn't care, right? Yeah. And that's because oh, he's been dude. in the game long enough. He's like, you know what? If I just build good enough brand equity, I don't need pay-per-click. Yeah. yeah. You can cut out the middleman. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, with my business, we see that even. Mm-hmm. We don't need pay-per-click all year long. Mm-hmm. We only use it for a short season mm. um, because our brand equity is so high, mm-hmm. right? Our call volume is naturally just high. Mm-hmm. The only thing, The only thing I don't turn off is paying for my name. Yeah. So if somebody searches my name, they can see my ad, they see my GMB, they see my map pack, Mm -hmm. see as much of me as possible Mm -hmm. because I want them to call me, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, build your brand equity. But the other thing you can do is like, you know, we did a whole episode on, you know, making more money with less leads. Yeah, optimizing every call. Optimize every single call. Um, And not just on a technician level, optimize on a CSR level, right? right? If leads are down and you're getting phone calls and you're letting phone calls slip away, mm-hmm. then you are spending money on a lead that you're not acquiring, right? Yeah, totally. So like dig into your CSR department and get those people booking jobs, mm-hmm. right? Because like 
I've listened to tons of phone calls. My brother listens to phone calls all day long. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he'll get people calling. He'll be listening to phone calls of people going, you know, hey, is this so-and-so company? And the CSR is like, oh, nope, sorry, click. <laughs> like try to turn, you know, yeah. take the time sure. to like put a process in place and a script mm-hmm. in place to turn those into book jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, because you likely paid for that lead, yep. right? Yeah, you did because that phone rang and somebody yeah. answered it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there you go. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's not the marketing companies, which is not Google's fault that you didn't convert. No, huh? Mm-hmm. Not at all. They said I led them to your door and you turned them away. Yeah, and Google's actually recently made some changes where you can no longer target just your market. So you can do or people who live in your market, but now you have to include people who have and don't quote me on this, but I think this is what I was told was people who have been there recently. Same with Facebook. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you've recently been to Fairbanks, Alaska, you're going to start seeing my ads even if you live in Montana. Yep. Right? Um, so now people are going to start calling from Montana. Yep. So it just makes the whole situation even worse, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if they'll <clears throat> go back around. And typically when they roll stuff out like this, they roll it out and then they go back and like fix it for yeah. certain, you know, certain people yeah but who knows like they're in the game of like trying to give their customers relevant ads but they're really in the game of just making money yeah right? so they're probably loving it right yep. they're making tons of money mm-hmm. lots of competition mm-hmm. they're just raking in the dough mm-hmm. getting paid more for less calls they're gonna be there they're gonna be there so long as everybody doesn't increase their brand awareness to the level that they're not necessary right yep exactly which probably will never happen no it won't yeah no, because it's and it's not like you should go in and shut off right. pay per click. Like right. that would to me that would be a bad idea. Mm-hmm. I would raise prices and be willing to pay more for a lead. Yeah, sure. Um, and still use pay per click, but not solely rely on it or not solely rely on lead generation. Yeah. Um, start relying on lead generation and brand equity, and then start getting really serious about optimizing your call center. Mm-hmm. So people call into your business, getting those things into book calls, Mm -hmm. super important. And then on the back end of that, start optimizing when you're actually at their house. Okay. How do I, how do I make a super happy customer and make the maximum amount of money I can Mm. every time I go to their house? And how do I, how do I retain them as a customer? Right. So Mm -hmm. even as far as like putting memberships in place, that's going to help you weather low, you know, high lead costs, low lead dude, volume. Dude, hundred memberships are so <coughs> important for that because yeah. that is a, mm, a low, what, what should I say? On the business, it requires barely anything. It, so memberships become a little bit of a problem at scale. Like mm-hmm. we're starting to run into mm-hmm. this with my business mm-hmm. and I've heard people say it in the past. I've heard people like Ken Goodrich mm-hmm. say it in the past. Ah, um, sure. And we're starting to feel it now because we've got a couple thousand members that all want an annual maintenance done at the same time of year. Right? Yeah, sure. All within a couple months span. Yeah. It's a lot of customers yeah. to serve in a couple months span. And they all expect to be taken care of at a higher level because they're paying money for they're something. They're paying men- money and they're, they bought into our membership. Yeah. So it's a double edged sword. They can be your best friend, mm-hmm. but then if you betray them, man, they can flip and they can be mm-hmm. like, you promised and you under delivered. Yep. And so there's a big, like, in our area, there's a big misconception that you need to have your heating equipment 
tuned up right before winter hits, right? Yeah, where you could just have it tuned up anytime. You could have it tuned up anytime. It lasts the whole yeah. year. <laughs> like <And> that tune, <laughs> that tune serves the whole year. You could exactly. have your tune up done in June. Yeah. And it would still work through the winter. Yes. And so we're trying to hmm. come up with processes or systems yeah. or ways to where we can start getting those people to book, you know, during our slow season, right? That'd Could be you the, just outbound book them? Could you be like, hey, I'm servicing your boiler right now. I got you on the schedule for Tuesday. Um, <laughs> you could. I don't know if it'll work out too well. But then like... I think what we're going to do is whenever we sell a membership now, it, <clears throat> part of our process is we're going to book them that boiler tune, right? Or mm-hmm. when they, whenever they book for in this three-month time span, mm-hmm. we're going to say, hey... You're booking during the busiest time of year. We can't get to you for another two weeks. Let's book you in our next available slot, but so you don't have to do this again next year. Yeah. Would you like to get booked in April, which is typically our slow time? Yeah. Where we're not as busy and we can get to you a lot yep. faster. We won't be as rest at your house. Mm-hmm. We can do a better job on your equipment. Mm. Um, and we can book that appointment right now. Yeah. And then we we will remind you, you know, uh month before, a week before, the yep. day before, when we're on your way to your house, and then we can actually get there on time, on schedule, get it done, right? Yeah, that sounds like something that if you had that, if hindsight, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, if you had that process built in when you started your membership day one, mm-hmm. then you would have avoided this problem because then you would have had 2,000 appointments essentially yeah. pre-booked spread throughout the year. Yeah. Uh, instead when of I started like, oh. my membership day one, I didn't have any process. Yeah, you're in like, place. you want to be a member? So that was like the last thing on my yeah. mind, right? Well, because you wouldn't consider that because, well, there's tons of reasons why you couldn't consider it. You yeah. just don't know that problem until you face it. Right. Yep. Yeah. So, but if I it, like thinking about that, you know, just in lead volumes down. So now we have all these memberships we're going and taking care of. And when a lead does come in, sometimes we can't get to it. Yeah. Right. So if we were to take those calls for membership maintenance and move them over to slow time, now it opens up time during busy season when calls mm-hmm. are halfway decent to where mm-hmm. we actually can go serve those leads. Right. Yep. And then you have business in the slow time that can translate into serving the customer in other ways than just their boiler tune. Right. And so that effect, you're going to have more revenue in your business just yep. by moving people around yeah and that's outside of the revenue you get the consistent monthly revenue by having a membership yeah just give you money each month yeah quasi passively air quotes yeah yeah i think we got like we got like close to 60 grand last month yeah just in memberships yeah which is yeah so um on that topic really quick when would you introduce memberships as soon as i could gotcha so like as soon as i had software as soon as I had sure. service Titan. Yeah, because I guess if you don't, you're tracking it like in a notebook and that would yeah, be... Yeah, I would not do that. And then you would have to call for payment every month and it'd be super weird. Yeah, I would yeah, never uh-huh. do that. Don't do that. Just and, wait. And please do you, not invoice anybody something. Just wait until you have a service Titan and then start a membership. Yeah. That's what I would do. Yeah, but it's cool because that's a cool carrot to think about because, oh, if I get to this point where I can have memberships, yep. I can start bringing in income that is outside me going to somebody's house. Yep. To me, that sounds incredibly valuable because the more stable income you have, yep, 
like one, it's better for you as a business, but then when you present yourself as a valuable company to a PE firm, if you want to sell or whatever, Mm -hmm. you can be like, and check out all this quote unquote passive income that's happening. I don't know that they care about the passive income because in my... Because I don't think it's technically truly passive. It's not. There's not really any passive income, right? Every Because those members also present a liability, as you say. Right. But what it is, is it's customer. Like Those are customers that are bought into your company, <laughs> sure. right? That's yeah. proof of, that's like really good customer retention. Sure. So like out of those 2,000 customers, mm-hmm. if there's a problem, they're not going to Google, they're going to call you. Yeah. They're not going to go... You're not going to have to pay pay-per-click to give you a lead f- mm-hmm. for those people that already bought your membership, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Because they already know, I, I got a membership with this company, and if I call them, I get 10% off. Sure, and priority schedule and they always and all that take kind of stuff. good care of me, so yeah. that's who I'm going to call. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to call this other company and not know what I'm going to get when I'm paying for a membership for this company, right. right? Right. And that's really the beauty of a membership. Can we talk about like how you would... So what happens if on the schedule you have somebody who's a non-member scheduled and then a member calls in with something to do. Like what is your preferred move in that moment? We're on the topic of, because we're on the topic of optimizing yeah. the call, you know? So we always look at, you know, you can optimize your schedule as well, sure. which you should be doing regardless, but mm-hmm. now especially, right? Right, right. Because if, sure. if, if leads are expensive, work is slower, then to produce revenue, you have to optimize in every way possible. Right. So you can optimize your schedule by going, okay, looking at, you got two calls, you got a limited amount of time on your schedule, right? Mm-hmm. And if you've got two calls that you can go to, um, if you, I would go to the one that makes the most money first. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, if you offer priority scheduling for your members, then you need to honor your priority scheduling. Right. Right. <laughs> but it doesn't mean that that you can't go to the one that's going to make you more money first mm-hmm. just means that it has to be okay with the member. Yeah. Hey, do you mind if we get there, you know, between two and four mm-hmm. rather than eight and 10? Mm-hmm. No, that's fine. Okay, cool. So then it just requires a conversation. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah so- we, now we can go to the more, you know, the one that's likely to make us more money Yeah. and make sure we, that we get that one taken care of so that we can make the money on that job. Mm. And then we go to the member, right? Okay, here's sort of a sidebar question. In your experience, how, like, I don't know if you're going to be able to answer this, but, like, I'll just ask it. What percentage of these companies <laughs> who are who are sort of um, bemoaning the marketing company, how many of them have a CSR? I have no idea. Because... No clue. Because, again, it's like if you don't have a CSR, like, optimizing that call is going to be very difficult. Oh, yeah. Because now you... Because imagine you as the plumbing business owner having to call these people to optimize your own schedule. Yep. And, like, having mm, the time, the headspace, the nope. emotional space to, like, maneuver these potentially difficult conversations. Yeah, not going to happen. Yeah, so... If, you ha- if you're getting... If you're booking one to two calls every day, mm. just hire a CSR. Mm. It's going to... It'll you will make more money than what the CSR costs you to answer your calls and run your schedule. Yeah. Right. Um, that's just, that'd be one way for like somebody who's just getting going to optimize a part of his business. Right. Yeah. And that could be counterintuitive in our current, you know, following our sort of state of the market address. Right. Where it's like, well, I don't want to add expenses, Jared, because things are getting more expenses. It's yes. expensive. And it's not that you can't grow your business right now. It's mm-hmm. not that you can't, you know, 
do better in your business or add expenses and grow. Mm-hmm. It's just that you have to actually grow a big, a good business right now. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah, sure. You can't get by with a fake business. <laughs> you can't get by with a fake business right yeah. now. So like during COVID, you could get by with a fake business, right? Sure, because demand was so high. Anybody demand with was so a high. tool belt and a cool looking bolt. Yep. Hop on pay-per-click, get mm. fairly cheap leads, tons of them, and go do some work. Mm. If you're priced properly, you'd, you'd be able to grow a business, right? Yeah. But now it's a uh, li- it's sure. just a little bit different story. It's so, a little more back to normal, mm. right? It's not the end of the world. It's not like we're all gonna die. It's not. <laughs> yeah. It's not that you can't succeed right now. It's just that you have to be willing to do mm. normal business stuff, right? Yeah. You can't. You can't like. You can't have a job and be successful. Yeah. Yeah. Normal people. Normal businesses have to invest in their brand. Mm-hmm. They have to invest in doing a good job for their customer. They have to invest in mm-hmm. good branding. They have to diversify their marketing. They have to do those things. They'd have to be comfortable with raising their prices too. They have to be comfortable with raising your prices. Mm-hmm. Have to be comfortable with hiring people to do things that optimize your business further. Like that's mm-hmm. all just normal stuff, yep. right? Every business in the world that's successful is comfortable with those things. Yep. Like when gas goes up and down. Like the people who sets the gas prices, they're never like, man, what's our customer going to think? They're like, no. hey, we got to cover <laughs> yeah. costs, dude. It's expensive. Yeah. Gas goes up. It costs more to produce gas. Cost of gas goes up. Yep. And it's, it's the same with your plumbing business. Yep. Every business is going to operate on that because every business knows if they don't think like that, they're not going to be a very good business. It's so crazy to me how many people don't understand pricing their plumbing business. Like who who don't understand just looking at the cost and saying okay it costs this much mm. like this is this is like core business knowledge yeah. cost me this much to produce this cup mm-hmm. this is the this is the cheapest I can produce it mm-hmm. right now and so for me to be able to stay in business I need to charge the customer what it costs me plus a profit margin on this cup yep everything not just the materials in the cup not just the labor for the cup yep. but the marketing for the cup, the building that the cup was made in, mm-hmm. the maintenance on the pottery wheel for the guy who threw this cup, the truck who delivered the cup, the, the truck who delivered the cup, everything mm-hmm. needs to get built into the price of this cup. Yep. Right? It's just like with your plumbing business. Yeah, cuz it's not it's not a special thing that operates outside the norms. No, huh? And so and it's and I it's hard for plumbers to grasp that because they're not used to that. They're used to <clears throat> thinking about they're used to thinking about what is like what's going on in my market. Right. They're what so, are other people doing? Yeah, they're so caught up in my market, right? Um sure. like we guys on my Instagram reels, TikTok reels all the time, they're like, dude, there's that would never work in my market. Right. Um, or people in you know, people in my market are charging one fifty or one sixty. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee you, again, I think I said this on our last one, if you really did your research, most markets, there's somebody there charging four to six right. to eight hundred dollars an hour already. Right. Right. And you're probably looking at them thinking they're ripping people off. Like everybody else is doing it for 150. They're just ripping people off. Mm-hmm. The reality is they're the only ones running a legit business. Right. Everybody else is undercutting themselves. Right. That's the reality, mm-hmm. which is sad. Yes. Um, 
and I mean, really, like, because I know you always, like, on your reels and your content, it's like, hey, you should be at least 400 bucks an hour. Yeah. And, like, if if it was feasible to run your plumbing company with a 30% profit margin at 200 bucks an hour, then you would be it. like, you'd be at 200 bucks an hour. Yeah. But the reality is, is that is it's that isn't true. It's literally just not feasible right now. Like, you take the cost of running a plumbing business, if you pay your plumbers, you know, 60000 a year, we'll say 75000 a year, mm-hmm. it's probably fairly average around the United States, and you pay yourself 100000 a year as a plumbing business owner, mm-hmm. that seems very reasonable. Mm-hmm. You invest, you know, 100, 100 to 150000 in marketing. You have a shop. You have three vans running around. You have insurances. You have gas. You have, you know, all these costs. If you just add all those up, it's close to a million bucks, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. To run your business for one year. Mm-hmm. If you're doing residential service and you're doing flat rate pricing, um, I think average average tech bills out 50 to 60% of their labor. Mm-hmm. So if you have three guys running around, you got 3,000, it's just over 3,000, just over 2,000 hours per guy, so mm-hmm. there's 6,000 hours. Um, and if they're 55% efficient, you've got roughly 3,400 hours. Mm-hmm. You do the math, it costs you $300 an hour or more just to run your plumbing business right. per billable hour, mm-hmm. right? Um, then you add a profit margin on that. We hit, we shoot for 30, mm-hmm. so we can discount our members 10%, mm-hmm. and then end it to 20% minimum, mm-hmm. right? You're at like $416 an hour last I checked. Right. It's just math. Yep. Nothing. It, there's You don't have to compare to any market or anything. Um, you can just literally add up cost of doing your business and do that same math. Mm-hmm. And if you're honest with yourself on your costs, um, then you're going to end at 400 or more. Right. Yep. And and like, don't, <laughs> don't walk into that calculation being like, well, I got word of mouth, so I don't need the marketing budget, so we can cut that out. Yeah. Or I don't have vehicle expenses because I paid everything in cash, so we can cut that out. Yeah. Like, don't make that mistake because that isn't going to set you up in a situation where you can actually grow your business so it's a, a, a yeah. real business. If you want to grow into a business where you don't have to be involved, then you're going to have to have a marketing budget. Right. All businesses at a certain point have a marketing budget. It's right. You're not going to live on word of mouth alone, right? You're going to have to do some sort of marketing. If nobody knows who you are, then nobody's going to do business with you. <laughs> it, doesn't, right? it doesn't matter. Yeah. Or and, if people only know who you are because they have a relationship with you, the business owner, mm-hmm. then now you've just created a very short-term thing. Yeah, and you have to stay involved. Yeah. yeah. And like, even if you really want to stay involved, like it's better for you, your customer, whoever is going to come into your company, that you build your business so you don't have to be involved. Like, it's cool to be involved and like, yeah, if you want to work and work in your business a whole bunch, do that because that's what you like to do, but don't build it so that's necessary because ultimately you're not, you're not making something that is valuable. You're just making something that you have to be a part of. So if, if you're going to build it, you should just build something of value. Yeah, exactly. And if you have to be involved, it's way less valuable. Yeah. I'm just saying that like anybody else. Yeah. And I'm saying that, it, you should build it a value. And if you, cause like some guys are like, well, I want to be in the business. I mm-hmm. like to do the work. Like that's great. Mm-hmm. Then do the work, but don't, this business shouldn't be dependent upon you doing the no, work. No, you should be able to leave for a month 
and nothing goes wrong in your business. Right. You should be able Nobody to, calls you. Yeah, you should be able to completely leave, <clears throat> turn off your phone, never check your email, and the business is fine. Mm-hmm. That should be everybody's goal mm-hmm. with a business. But the sad reality is that most people most people don't even think that that's possible. Right. It's such a foreign concept. Like mm-hmm. I remember um, I was following this guy, Michael Hyatt, and that was his big thing. Mm-hmm. I take a month-long vacation every single year. Mm-hmm. And he did it so that he could see what broke in his business, mm-hmm. and so he could come back and fix it, right? right? But I remember thinking, like, there's no freaking way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, how do you leave for a mm-hmm. month and nothing happens? Mm-hmm. But, if like, if you don't have a business that does that, then you're just, like, you're your business owns you, you don't own your business, right? right? Um, and <clears throat> that'd be, like, that's terrible. Yeah, you might as, like, again, that makes the argument stronger to just work for somebody else yeah. so that you can take time off and you don't have to bring your phone or you don't have to, yeah. like, do all that kind of stuff or think about it or worry about it. Yeah, if your business owns you then and it relies on you, then you have something that you can't sell. You, right. like, you're working on it and you're working in it, and you're gonna be, you're gonna end your life at, you're not gonna end your life, you're gonna end your career <laughs> at 55, 60 years old, 65, whatever. You're gonna get to a point where you can't work anymore, mm. and you're gonna have this business that you've been pumping your whole life into, your heart and soul into, right. and you're not gonna be able to run it anymore. It's gonna die, and it's not gonna, you're not gonna be able to sell it. Right. Why would you do that to yourself? Or why would you do it to the offspring you want to pass it along to? Because yeah. I've talked to a lot of guys who are like, well, I want my son to participate. <clears throat> and sometimes there's this idea of like, I don't know why he doesn't want to come into the business. Because like, you know, it's a business. It's cool. It's like yeah. part of the family name. And right, because like, he's looking at dad going like, I don't want a part of that. He's looking at dad and he's being like, okay, so this business put a strain on our relationship because we can't hang out as much. Yeah. Um, it puts a strain on dad and mom's relationship because he's always got to go work on the weekends. Yeah. Um, I can't remember who I was talking to about this, but it's like, like, don't let your business make you a liar. So when you say, Hey babe, I'm going to be home at six. I promise. And then suddenly you have to go and take that extra call because you need to make the ends meet. Mm-hmm. You have just turned yourself into a liar. No, I'll be here this Saturday. No, it's cool. I'm not going to work this weekend because, you know, things are good. But because maybe you don't raise your prices or you don't have real marketing, you got to work that Saturday. Yep. So your business just made you into a liar again. Yep. And that does not communicate well of you. It doesn't communicate well of your business. Nope. And the, the sad thing is, is it doesn't have to be that way. Nope. Like it definitely doesn't have to be that way. Nope. It doesn't. And if And if you're in that position and your business is that way, realize that there is a way out of that. Yeah. And it's not easy because you have to come into a whole new <coughs> perspective and a mindset about business that you're unfamiliar with. No, you just have to grow your business to a point to where you have enough people in it to where all the core functions are covered and then put enough process. That was a gnarly knuckle crack, like dude. <laughs> 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 it distracted you. That was gnarly. <laughs> I've never heard a gnarlier really? knuckle crack. No way, that wasn't was, even that big. That was pretty good. Yeah, well, um, it's from biking. <laughs> you're a dork. Um, <laughs> I fell in my driveway yesterday. Oh, nice. Just like going too slow, went up a curb and just ate it. Super funny. Good job. Isaac was like, you okay? <laughs> He's I like, I was like, yeah. <laughs> He's probably laughing at you inside. He's probably like, why did dad fall like that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway. You just got to grow it to a point where all the key positions are covered, right? Mm-hmm. And then put systems and processes in place for doing stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you can leave it. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's that easy. And I mean, I think really like, I think it starts with unraveling the limiting belief that you can change your prices. Like I'm not even talking like you can like up increase them a whole bunch, which yes, I am talking about that, but there's almost this hesitancy like, well, I haven't changed my prices in like, I've never even touched them in like three years. Oh gosh. And it's like, oh, well you should be comfortable with touching them. Like that's just a part of business. Like, yeah. cause I think there's a pride with like, well, my prices have been low the whole time. My dad was in business. 20 years. I've been, yeah, exactly. And so yeah. it's like, it's part of that feels good. Cause you feel like you're serving your community well. Because you've yep. been, everybody's doing all this, and I'm staying solid. Yep. But unfortunately, it's not, it's not actually an indication of health. I got a TikTok comment the other day that some guy said, you know, I think it was on my reel, like, you need to be charging at least 400 an hour. Yeah, right? people love that one. Oh, yeah. And there was, there was a guy who commented, you know, my dad never charged more than 200, and he's a multimillionaire. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, that probably worked up until about, three or four years ago. Mm. Like think about how much more expensive it's gotten to be in business just since I started. Yeah. Like we, like when we probably could have started at like three thirty, mm-hmm. just three years ago. And now we're close to 600 mm-hmm. just because cost of doing business has gone up. Yeah. You're talking about, I think it was last podcast. We were talking about vehicles. We actually never my talked f- about box trucks. My just f- put there. Box trucks. My first, <laughs> my first van, for instance, was fifty-one thousand. Yep. Yep. I just bought two more. They were eighty-three thousand. That's an incredible difference. My first van came with a floor in the back mm-hmm. and a partition. Mm. This new, these new vans, I don't even get a floor. No what? floor. I got a floor. I got to order my own partition. Holy moly! Yeah. Jeez. And they're thirty thousand dollars more, right? Yeah. Everybody's feeling the pinch. Three years later. <laughs> Nothing's gotten cheaper. The yeah. labor hasn't gotten cheaper. The insurance hasn't gotten cheaper. The cost of goods hasn't gotten cheaper. Yeah. My shop rent hasn't gotten cheaper. Yeah, so why should you keep gas, your prices the same? Gas hasn't gotten cheaper. Mm-hmm. Everything's gone up. And business costs, like the cost and, of doing business goes up. Hourly rate's got to go up, mm-hmm. right? And then like throw that in like to our conversation at large is then your cost per lead is going up now. Co- advertising costs have gone way up. It just costs more to be in business. Mm-hmm. And all the people that you do business with, so all the people you're hiring as like subcontractors, like your marketing company, your bookkeeper, all of their costs have gone up. Yep. So now they cost you more. And that just ends up having to cost the end, end consumer more. It's just how it is. Yeah. Cause I mean, somebody's got to pay for it at some point. Yeah. So there, but there, to this guy's point, there is a reality of like, mm. yeah, your mm, dad. Sure could have made millions of dollars at $200 mm-hmm. an hour, but that does not work today. Yeah, that doesn't mean, yeah, that doesn't mean that just because he did it, you can. Yeah. Like, it's awesome that he was able to do it. Like, good on him. That's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. But you can't just think that you can step, like, no business that is multi-generational is like, oh, I'll just keep doing the same thing the last generation did. Yeah. Like, you look at, like, big businesses that have been around forever, mm-hmm. and there's always some sort of innovation that comes in. Yeah. Because there has to be. Yeah. Especially I mean, with like the marketing game has totally changed. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, even the game of like how you go about your business has changed, mm-hmm. right? Like we've gone through shifts of like it used to be just somebody calls, it's mm-hmm. mom and pop shop. You go out, it's your X dollars amount an hour, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sure, and that's it. You you do the work, mm-hmm. and then you hand them a bill and they pay it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then. As the car, as we saw like the success of like the auto mechanic industry, yeah. we started 
rolling that kind of stuff into the plumbing business. Mm -hmm. So now it's like, okay, if you want to have a successful plumbing business, then you got to be flat rate. And now there's software Mm -hmm. that you can use. Mm -hmm. And now there's training platforms and there's, you know, all sorts of like new technologies um, and new ways of doing business. It's just constantly changing and constantly evolving, right? Yeah, that's a good thing to think about when you're talking about the software. Mm-hmm. Like me as a consumer of things, and also think about it, everybody. Everybody is way more of a consumer now than they were five, 10 years ago. The way people purchase has changed. Yeah, exactly. Right? So it's like, if I can go on to a website and I don't have an Apple Pay option, I'm like, this is this is a pain. I gotta find my credit card now and like throw it in there. Where do, I can just do you actually use Apple Pay? Oh, dude, it's wonderful. Oh, that's weird. You should check it out. Like, <laughs> like for should, you, I really should because all I have to do is I have an Apple Pay. It's got my address. It's got all my billing information. Mm-hmm. I just go bing bing, and then I don't gotta fill anything out. That's dangerous, dude. I, it's just like the Amazon Buy Now button, right? Do you have any money left over? <laughs> I don't know. I don't check anymore. I just wing it. You know, <laughs> my bank will let me know when I'm negative. <clears throat> But so my point is, is that if your service isn't moving towards that direction of a very simple, like collection process, yep. like you need to be like benchmarking yourself against the ease of use that we experience from these really big companies. Yep. Because man, if you can slide in there and be like, hey, guess what? When you want to pay for my service, yeah, Apple Pay's great. Oh yeah, yeah I gotta. You don't gotta. <laughs> like even now, it's like if it's so funny, dude. It's like if somebody doesn't have like a tap thing, like at a gas station, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, there's no tap. I have to insert this and wait. <laughs> no, like, wait for it to read my so chip. It's so dumb and it's so petty, but <laughs> yeah. it's just like we get so used to the comfortable things yep. that when we encounter a company that doesn't have it, like cash only is an example. Oh, How yeah. many times have you been pissed off at a cash only place when you're like, cash only? The Who? toll booth the other day I ran into. <laughs> I know. It's like, what the hell? I went to the toll booth and I had a $100 bill on me and that's all I had. I was like, yeah. I got a hundred and she's like, well, that's fine. And I'm like, this is two dollars and seventy five cents. Yeah, like why? They had to write me a like a ticket, and then I, I have to mail that in with a money order. Oh, dude! I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. So don't be like that. Like, if you're hesitant to like get software because maybe it's I know it's intimidating. Like sometimes it's like a big package of stuff and you don't uh-huh. know how to use it. Um, I mean, it's kind of the world we live in, dude. Totally. Like, Amazon came in. And change the way that we do business. Yes. Change the way the world wants to purchase stuff. Yep. Right? And now, like, you go to the grocery store, you got self-checkout stands. Yep. You go to, I went to a McDonald's in Chicago, and there was no person taking orders. It was just this, like, thing you walk up to and you punch in your own order. Yep. we're used to it. And it's like, how fast can we make this happen? Yep. That McDonald's was super fast because they had, like, 30 things where you could go get your, do your order, right? Yeah, yeah. like for the customer, when they wake up, first of all, they don't want to call you. Right. They they don't want to have a plumbing problem. Mm -hmm. They hate having to call a plumber. Mm -hmm. It's the worst thing in the, Mm -hmm. it's like the worst part of their day if they have a- expensive thing. If they have a plumbing issue or Mm -hmm. if they've got to even just get regular maintenance done, they're like, what a pain in the butt, right? Yeah. Do I have to be here for this? Like, yeah, you know, so I, I go to work. Ideally, they would wake up. There'd be a plumbing problem. You'd already be there fixing it, and then you magically disappear the second it was done. Yeah. and it took like none of their time, right? Yeah. So you want to make your service as close as possible to that. Mm-hmm. Make it extremely easy to get a hold of you. Mm-hmm. Extremely easy to book a call with you. Extremely show up on time. 
um, make it extremely easy to, for the plumber to like give them a cost up front, mm-hmm. have the plumber do the work that day, right then and there, mm-hmm. and then make it extremely easy to get paid and then leave, right? <laughs> I mean, right. that's what they want. Mm-hmm. It's like, how seamless can we make this whole process? Mm. That's what makes people happy in today's market. And software plays a huge role in that. Huge role. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can't you can't do it without software. Nope. Yeah. And I think we're we're probably getting to a point where if you don't have software, like that is going to make you a non-option for the customer. Yeah. Like Yeah, yeah, there's a lot I don't know. I wonder if there's still people who are on paper. Oh yeah. Like I, doing paper invoices. Yeah, definitely. Because, is there really? Yeah, because I see um I mean, I think a lot of those guys have just moved to QuickBooks and like that's their invoicing. But when yeah. I see like, you know, people come through for our coaching program and I see what they fill out, a yeah. lot of times it's like, I don't have any software or it's QuickBooks or something, yeah. which is like one step <laughs> becoming more adjacent to paper. Yeah. Uh, you're pretty much still on paper. You pretty much are. Like if I have to go through my email and find your email where I have to go and then do all this other stuff to pay yeah. you, I'm already like, bro, do yeah. I have 10 billion emails? Our yard guy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, like if he if he could just if I could just be charged for a service, yeah, that'd be really nice. Yeah, so our yard guy he comes and mows. He mows ours once a week. How often is he mowing? Twice a month. Twice a month. Mm-hmm. Your grass is getting long. It's actually you're actually supposed to let your grass get longer in the summertime. Oh really? Yep. That's not what Joel Salatin says. What are you talking about? It, you sequester more carbon if you get it during its teenage years. Mm. Anyway, long <laughs> way off topic. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, like, I like that sentence though. You sequester more carbon if you get it in That's an exact years. quote from Joel Salatin. What kind of grass is he talking about? He's talking about grass you feed your cows. Yeah, you feeding yeah. your cows on Pasture. That? That's probably grass that you should let get long so it can survive in this harsh heat. Maybe. <laughs> you got to water it. Yeah, but the thing is, is, if it's too short, then it doesn't provide shade to itself and then the sun is going to scorch it. Mm. And then if you do water it, that water's just going to go away even quicker. Yeah, yard guy comes once a week. He bills us <laughs> every week, but he sends us an email. Yeah. No, he bills us once a month. He bills does, you guys once a month? Does, how often does he bill you? After every job. Mm. I think he's billing us every month. And it's an email that my wife gets, gets buried in her thousands of emails. Yeah. She forgets to pay it, and then he has to send another email mm-hmm. uh, to be like, hey, you didn't pay last month's invoice yet. Mm-hmm. Here's this month's, and then she doesn't see that one, and then two months go unpaid, and he's got to be like, "Hey, you didn't pay your invoice." Yeah. So think about like the the time he's spending on that, and the lost amount of money in the bank. Sure. Now he's two months behind. He already did the service. He already paid for the gas. He already paid for the labor. It's his labor, so it's not as bad. But mm, sure. if it was somebody out doing it, right? If he was paying somebody, he's already paid them, and now he doesn't have the money in the bank. Mm-hmm. And he has to go back and look and be like, did they pay me yet? Mm-hmm. Oh, they didn't? Let me go send them an email. And right. he has to send an email. And then he has to go back and look. Oh, they, they didn't pay me yet? Let me go back and send an email, right? Yeah. When in reality, he could just auto bill us every month, the exact same amount. It's the oh, same know. bill every yeah, month. It it's is like, the same. Just put it on auto bill, dude. Keep my credit card. And yeah. have it just run every yeah. single month. Yeah. Um, but the way he set up his, I guess we bought into his contract, right? Mm. So he set it up instead of doing it a 12-month contract, mm-hmm. it's a six-month contract because mm. the grass doesn't grow here in the wintertime. Right. Um, I would have done a 12-month contract. Say, I'll come cut your grass in these six months and 
you sign up for my, and you pay me every month. Mm-hmm. Then it would have taken revenue and split it up throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Auto bill, nobody ever would have even cared or noticed. He wouldn't have to go track payments. Mm-hmm. Same thing for your plumbing business. Mm-hmm. Just get paid after every job. Right. Don't have to track it. Make it as easy as possible for the customer. Yep. Don't ha- don't make them go dig through their email and mail you a check. Yeah, don't please don't do any or mailing a money of, order. No mailing of anything. <laughs> yeah, because that's it's ridiculous. Like, that's like uh, like yeah. Whenever I get to that point in any service, which is very rare, thankfully, mm-hmm. it's like, dude, I don't even know where my checkbook is right now. Dude, I don't. I haven't written a check, and I don't know how long. Like I was I was talking to my wife because we got a pay our kids school on uh-huh. Monday and I'm like okay we gotta find the checkbook now because I don't know where that sucker is they don't take credit card no probably not give them a check yeah I'm gonna talk to him and be like dude can you set up like a like I don't know they probably don't have a lot of margins to like pay fees to like Stripe or whomever but but why not they could they totally could right I would think so that, what's it cost a year for the um, school um 7,000 per kid and so do you gotta pay the whole 7,000 up nope, front you pay it monthly and is it 12 months out of the year or just Ten. during school? So it's so you pay, do a 10-month payment plan, See, if I was them, I'd do 12, mm-hmm. and then I would just, whatever the credit card fee was, I'd raise the price by that much, and then sure. take auto bill people's credit cards. Yeah, it'd be a lot. Well, Because now you got to go in every month and give them a check. I have to remember that, mm-hmm. oh, it's the beginning of the month. I got to go find the checkbook again because I'll probably forget in that weird spot I put it. Yep. I got to remember the amount. I can remember who it's addressed to. And what are the chances that you're going to forget one month. Oh, like pretty dang high. And then they're not going to have their money. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I should talk to him. And be like, Dude, <laughs> let's get you on the 21st century. Cause like, can I Apple pay this? Is there a way to do that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, really? Can I just come and be like, Bo-king! and now you don't get the airline miles for your. Exactly. Cause I gotta go through school. check. So Hey, yeah. everybody listening, don't sleep on that part of it. That, especially if you're going to do like a big bill, like mm-hmm. a prospector came to my house here in Florida magically mm-hmm. and they had to put a boiler in magically mm-hmm. and it was like $45,000. Yeah, you, you know, I'm like, dude, I'm maxing out one credit card and I'm putting it on the rest of it so I yeah. can get those miles and then Heck paying yeah. it off however I do. Yeah, and I'm going to charge you 3% more for it. And I'm going to be like, I don't care, just give me the miles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't. You wouldn't even know. No, I wouldn't. I Everybody would just, gets charged 3%. <laughs> yep. Ever, actually, what we do is we say, okay, we do this much in revenue. Mm-hmm. And we pay this much. We do a certain percentage in credit card charges, so we know we're going to pay a certain yeah. a certain amount in credit card fees yeah. for the year. Um, I think it's like it's like a hundred and fifty thousand dollars that we pay. Yeah, in credit card fees, and so we just build that into our hourly rate. Yeah, done. Yep. Which is one to not sleep on yeah. within your business is credit card fees. The other thing to not sleep on in your business with credit cards is. Just having credit cards and running all of your bills on your credit cards. Yeah. Because like again, for the bennies that you get, yeah. especially even if it's like, I mean, miles is super huge. Even like cash back, you're like, oh, let's do a Christmas party. Let's just grab some Dude. cash back. Boom. Christmas party funded. Well, think about this. In the beginning of your business, what's the one thing you're short on? Mm, cash. Cash. That's actually a great point. Dude, if you're going and buying all of the parts, all of the equipment, everything for your business on a credit card that you can get cash back on... Um, and you're short on cash, maybe you need to go do some more advertising or maybe you need to buy a piece of equipment, go get cash back on your credit card and yeah. go use it to fund your business. Yeah, because like you could probably get at least a thousand. What do you think you can get on cash back? Just roughly. 
What do you mean? Like how much per month? Because I was about to say a thousand bucks per month cash back. Do you think that's a reasonable number? Well, it depends on how much money you're spending. Well, let's right? say, uh, well, I don't know. And it depends on how much cash back you get. Sure. Let's like we've got, we've got millions of points on our <laughs> credit cards. Yeah. And I don't know what the cash back is. It's probably a lot at yeah. this point. Yeah. But I like the points. Yeah. So I don't know. I've never done cash back. But cash back, I don't think it pencils as well as like airline miles and stuff. No. But still, if you're short lower. on cash, yeah. when those points finally add in there, like I know, like I think I have like, I think I only have like 60,000 points on mm-hmm. my Chase card because I just cashed a bunch for these tickets. Mm-hmm. But even that, I think I get like for 60,000, like 300 bucks or something mm-hmm. or 600 bucks. I can't remember if it's what the ratio is, but it's still money that I can just be like, Chase, I would like some money back. Thank you very much. Dude, get the cash back. Use it to pay, like go put it in the bank. Sure. And then use your credit card to go buy more equipment, get more points, and use the cash you got from your cash back to pay off your credit card Mm. to maximize those funds. Yeah. Like a lot of credit cards, like ours, the one that we use, you get three times the points on advertising. Oh, bro. So we spend $600,000 a year on yeah, advertising sure. and we get, gosh, that's a lot of miles, 1.8 million points a year yeah. just on our advertising budget, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, that, like, why not? Yeah. If you got 10% cash back, that's hundred and eighty thousand dollars. It's usually like 3% or 2%. 2%? Maybe even 1%. For business cards, it'd probably like 1%. Who knows? I don't even know. But even still. But the miles, the points, the miles, they, oh, yeah. they just they stack up so fast. And then you go go on, fly somewhere, get a hotel, get a rental car. Think about it this it. way. Like if, if you need to take care of that customer who, you know, let's say you couldn't finish the work, you got to put them up in a hotel. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, good thing I have a million miles and a yeah. hotel points and yeah. then I can put them up in a hotel and it's not like costing me any money. Yep. So it's just like, man, it's a tool out there. You just got to use it. It's a tool. You got to know how you can use it. It's a tool. Just got to use it. And like it will help you probably more on the small side of your business than on the large side. Mm-hmm. Because again, that cash flow is so key that if you can get, get every little bit that you can. So like right now in our current time where we're talking about like, hey, invest in your branding. Like if you have points available that you can cash out to invest in your branding, mm-hmm. like, oh, I can go and like sponsor this team with this thousand dollars a month cash back points. Boom. Mm-hmm. Here, team, here's a thousand bucks a month, you mm-hmm. know, or however you want to structure it mm-hmm. just from my credit card transactions. Yeah. Like easy peasy. Go buy some flyers with that money or something. I know if you listen to like Ishmael Valdez, he's like, he talks about growing his next gen era or whatever. And he talks about his credit cards. He was like, I was constantly maxing those out and I was constantly calling them and telling them I need more money. Yeah. I need more credit. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that should be you during your business. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, he grew his business super fast. He was risking it all, just going for it. No turning back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of the attitude you should have. Yeah. And you should be using those credit cards to your advantage. Yeah. Like you have them there. Mm-hmm. Use them. That's what they're there for. Let's um, let's talk about, so in one of our coaching calls that we had, we had one of our, our guys in our program and he was talking about what it felt like when he was investing in his marketing. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was like sort of a profound moment because he was having this like come to Jesus moment of like, yeah. like Jared, this is scary because I'm going to run out of money if I keep investing in my market like this. Yeah. And like just walk me through that conversation and sort of what you told him. And so I think it's just a helpful, yeah, to he see was, a guy feeling that. Yeah. He was kind of like, 
you know, he had just hired a market. It's just him in a, in a truck. Um, he had just hired a marketing company mm-hmm. and he was, you know, he was like, okay, I'm doing this marketing and I'm spending all this money on marketing. And if it, it's going to bring in, he's like, I feel it's starting to catch on. Mm-hmm. Like I'm starting to get calls from it mm-hmm. and it's likely going to bring in more calls than I can handle myself. Mm. And so, ah. and if I keep spending on it and I'm the only one out running calls, then I'm probably not going to be able to afford, it's going to be hard for me to afford it, right? Right, yep. So the logical decision is hire somebody and keep paying for marketing Mm -hmm. and then just keep going, like keep hiring people Mm -hmm. so you can do more marketing, so you can keep hiring people, so you can do more marketing, so you can keep hiring people Mm -hmm. until you don't have to be in the truck or until your business reaches the size that you want it, right? Um, And so he was like, by investing in marketing, it's like forcing me to grow my business. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it is. That's the point. That's the point. Mm. And it was scary to him because it was like, oh, like I actually have to do this now. Yeah, it's actually, it becomes real. Because yeah. like we can sit here and have these conversations and it's like pretty high level and we can feel comfortable and everything. Yeah. But when you're actually doing it, you're mm-hmm. like, holy crap, I got to hire another human? Yeah. And like I got to make sure that that human is busy and I have to deal with their idiosyncrasies and their personality and then I got to hire another human. Yeah, dude, it's freaking, if you've never done it before, it's scary. Yeah. Because you, mm-hmm. it, it's just unfamiliar. It's weird. Um, it's not something that's normal. Typically, none of your family does it. Yeah. None of your friends do it. You don't have anybody yeah. to be like, yeah, that's rad, dude. Keep going. Yeah. Um, and so it, yeah, it's a little, it's a little nerve wracking, right? Yeah. Um, it was funny though, like, right, I put, I put that, we record all our calls and we post them mm-hmm. back in the group. And one of the guy, the other guys watched it and he was like, dude, that's right where I am too. I'm like, yeah, yeah he's scared to do marketing because he knows yeah, that if he does yeah, marketing, yeah, yeah. he's going to start getting call volume. <laughs> yeah. And then he's either going to have to go do it or he's going to have to hire other people to do it. Yep. And it's like, I'm going to be forced to grow my business. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's the point. That's like, why you're here in the first that's place. That's why so you're you in our course. Your you're yeah. here to grow your business. Yeah. So you need to start marketing mm-hmm. if you want to grow your business. Mm-hmm. We have another guy who's who's in a very similar very similar boat, but he's like you know, he was he he keeps looking at it like I think I want to like hire a couple guys and get a couple vans and like make sure mm-hmm. that like I got all the stuff in play before I do marketing. Right. So that I just I had so that when I kick on the marketing that we've got right. all the irons worked out, right? <clears throat> mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, what happens if you get the guys and you got the vans and you got all the stuff, but then you don't have any call volume, mm-hmm. right? It's like marketing takes a while to kick off. Mm-hmm. He, and so talking with him, it was like discovering his real worry was he's going to go do marketing and then he's not going to be ready for it. It's going to force him to like yeah. jump in and get stuff together. And I'm like, dude, just go spend. Just go do it. Yeah. Go spend the money on it. Get the call volume. Mm. Figure out how to take care of the calls, whether that's buying vans, mm. more tools, equipment, hiring people. Mm-hmm. And when you, because when you do that, you'll be buying vans and hiring people and buying equipment, mm-hmm. but you'll be making that money back yep. right away mm. that you've invested, right? Rather than going and investing up front, mm-hmm. and buying vans and buying, getting people and then not having the work. Mm-hmm. Now you've invested all this money, but you have no way to get return on it. Yep. And then you have to wait for your marketing to kick off, right? Yep. So yeah, yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a weird 
it's a it's a, just a different way to think than what you're used to if you've never had a business before. Yeah, it's it's a different way to think, but then it it really brings it home of like having a business is going to require you to rise to the occasion to run this thing. Yep. It's really easy to see that idea intellectually and go, oh, I understand that. Like, yep. I'm sure when that approaches, I'll be able to handle it well. Yep. But it'll sneak up on you in these little moments of where you're like, I, man, I don't think I can. Wow. And then it's, you're like, uh-huh, this is what we're talking about. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then you, ha- you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. And you will. It doesn't get any less, like the that doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. You just and the uncomfortable feelings don't go away. Mm-hmm. You just get more comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah, like oh okay, there's like I still look at my business and it's mm-hmm. like, you know, it could explode any day. Mm-hmm. But you just get more comfortable with that. Mm, sure. Yeah. Hmm. And the longer you're in it, sure. The longer you're in it, the more faith you have in it. But. Yeah. Like I know not to, like if I just completely took my eye off the ball and just never paid attention to it whatsoever. Let's say I never had a meeting with my general manager and we we didn't track KPIs mm-hmm. and we were just like, Hey, it's set up. Yeah. See you later. Yeah. Um, I don't think that would work. Right. Totally. Right. Yeah, I think you'd I mean, I think you would lose a lot of cultural connection with your general manager and oh, he yeah. would start to drift down a road that you might like like he just might start doing his own thing. Not that it would be bad; it could be good. Yeah. But like he would feel adrift. He'd be like, "I'm cut off from my leadership. Mm-hmm. So what am I? Am I just supposed to like do what I think is right? Like mm-hmm. I ain't the owner. I don't have the skin in the game mm-hmm. to feel comfortable to do this. Yeah. While you're just like off in La La Land or whatever. Yeah. 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 And so like yeah, it might pit her on for a while, but eventually it'll start to separate, right? And it yeah. you you are required to come back and like hold everything back together. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I think, I think what can help with that is if you have a really strong set of core principles and beliefs established in your business, then when you start to go away, those are the things that can replace you. Well, it's like going back to the beginning of our conversation. You look at these mm. huge PE firms that own tons of businesses, right? Mm-hmm. And they just put systems and people and things right. in place. To where it all just goes up to like one head eventually, right? Mm-hmm. So like for for me, like you know, I've got Prospector, we've got Plum Social, we've got Wealthy Plumber, and I'm like the head of those three. Mm-hmm. And then there's heads of those three, mm-hmm. and then I'm in communication with those heads. Mm-hmm. But like as we keep going, there's pro- you know, if I start another plumbing business, then eventually there's going to be the head of the plumbing businesses and then I'll just talk to that guy. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think you always need to have, you know, always need, you always need to be looking at it and having some involvement and always be pushing forward towards Mm -hmm. something or else Mm -hmm. you're going to die. And if you want to get to the point where you don't want to have that involvement, that's when you just sell. Yeah. And then take the cash and then you don't have to think about it. Yeah. Because otherwise it's going to nag at you because you're going to be like, well, I hope it's doing good without me. Yeah. (laughs) Because chances are just because there isn't, (coughs) clarity on whoever's yep. leading it unless they have a large stake of equity to where they feel comfortable making all these decisions. I mean, you for could, good or bad. you could like put CEOs in place. Like think sure. about, yeah, think sure. about liver King. Like he's, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's got, I don't know how many supplement companies he has, mm-hmm. but he's got CEOs of all of his companies. Right. He's like, he recognized early on, like I'm not a company leader. Mm. 
I'm just, I <laughs> I'm just a like, marketer. I started this yeah. and I'm good at being this weird marketing dude. I like to eat raw meat and film yeah. it. Yeah. And I think he was really good at like customer service. Yeah. Um, sure. That was, he was huge on customer mm-hmm. service watching his story. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's just got people who run his businesses for him. Mm. Right. Cool. And innovate and think about that stuff. Yeah. 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 And he's over there just marketing, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. To know your strengths is really important too, which you, be, I, yeah. Let's see. My, you probably discover those along the way. Like, did you walk into your business life assuming your strengths and then nope. you actually uncovered them? My strength is that I was dumb enough to go for it. Sure. That you were, that when <laughs> you was, felt that resistance of like, wow, I really have to do this, you were just like, I'm just going to ignore that and keep on going. <laughs> I know, not really. Like, my, like, <laughs> my strength was really just, my strength is, I don't even know at this point in the game, well, really. Well, let me phrase it this way. Like, did you have an idea of your strengths when you started business? No. Okay. No. I have not know. I don't still have an idea of my strengths. Yeah. I'm just good at like, I'm really good at putting my head down and just going for it. Right. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense. Like it, when I started my plumbing business, I just put my head down and it was like, I'm all in or nothing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I was all in. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's played a big role in its success. Right. right? Um, and then mm. once I hired like the, like when I hired your wife to be my CSR, mm-hmm. like the first person I hired, once I had that like realization of like what it's like to hire people to do stuff mm-hmm. for you, mm-hmm. I was like, game changer. Yeah, sure. Like now I'm now my head's down and I'm all in on growing this plumbing business to where everybody else does everything and I don't have to, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's when I had that realization. And then even just like hiring my first tech and then he was going out and billing money and I was like, cool, this guy's out doing stuff, making me money. This is cool. Yeah. And then it happened yeah. again and happened yeah. again. And I actually remember again. you saying that even like when I first came on with Plum Social, I remember you being like, yeah. man, it's cool. I don't have to do this stuff anymore. Dude, like, it was just, so cool. Like I, I was making to go do stuff and then I was making, ton, I was making tons of social media content mm-hmm. and then you came on and we got you going and it was like, cool. I don't have to do this anymore. I just got like 20 hours of my month back. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Um, on sort of that topic of hiring, and hiring a CSR, mm-hmm. like that can be a really good introduction to you hiring people if you've never done it before. Yep. Like you just came out like, cause that position isn't a technician. There isn't like a huge amount of pressure. Like, well, he's got to stay busy and all this stuff. It's like, and it's going to be lower paid position. Yep. So it's like, you don't have to just, you're not just jumping into this cold pool. Like oh, I got all these technicians and all this stuff. It's like, no, I hired a CSR. Yeah. Now I'm introduced to what it means to lead somebody and how that looks and structure and yep. communicating with somebody. Yep. And it's not like this huge high ticket thing where the crap nope. is a technician that if I lose him, we're screwed. It's like, yep. okay. So, and you're going to be bad at it at first. Sure. Yeah. While like, I'm still getting better at hiring people today. Yep. Communicating mm-hmm. with people today, mm-hmm. setting expectations today. <laughs> like it's not like yeah. you're always improving. You're yeah. not gonna be like rock star yeah. boss or employer or you know, you're not gonna hire somebody and set them up for success the first time. You're gonna be like, Oh dang, well that could have got better. <laughs> yeah, sure. And that's okay. Well, I really that's messed how you that one part up. Hey, you're mm-hmm. hot. like I remember mm-hmm. hiring your wife and then going like I've never hired anybody. Like yeah. I know there's paperwork they got to fill out, yeah. but I don't know what it is. It's always the hardest part of the dang paperwork. Yeah. And then so I I think I called my bookkeeper and I was like, I uh, just hired somebody. How do we get them paid? <laughs> <laughs> like, how do I, like, how do we make sure they get paid? 
And then I paid her under minimum wage. Yep, which is yep. hilarious when Ayla yeah. was like, I got a raise today. And I was like, really? She's like, yep, 14 cents. Yeah. So right I'm at minimum wage right now. It was super funny. That's funny. It <laughs> That's is a good funny. story. Yeah. Went from like 10 bucks an hour to like 10, 19. I can't believe I started her 10 bucks an hour. Yep. Yeah. I can't believe she agreed to that. <laughs> we must have been desperate or hurt or, she, or I think she was just bored actually yeah because I think she was just home she's like I am so bored yeah and then you're like hey you want to help and she's like sure but she's always been so much more about like helping because she's dedicated in that way yeah than just like oh I need to go make a bunch of money working for Jared she's yeah. like no she's somebody who buys in very quickly yeah in the sense like I will do what's required of me to see results because she's yeah. results driven yeah so she just wants to achieve that end yeah. And so it's easy for her to buy in with stuff like that. Yeah. Good thing. Yeah, good thing. Right? <laughs> good thing because uh, it helped me out a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Helped me out a lot. And then like even my third hire, I remember hiring and he just came in and just like started just busting ass, like mm-hmm. just going to jobs, mm-hmm. billing out customers, got his own van ready, got mm-hmm. all his own tools ready. And I was like, wow, this is this is rad. <laughs> yeah. Like it was, it was yeah. cool. Mm. Yeah. So that's like my new goal in life. Mm. Not do anything. Just hire it all out. <laughs> yeah. And then, then you can, uh, what's Alex Ramosi? He likes to say something like you make enough money to you question the reason. What's he, what's his quote? It's like you get to a point where you make so much money that you question like, what is the purpose of money at all? Or something like that. Dude. That's, it's like, so it's like for you where it's like when I show up at your house today and you're in your garage, I'm yeah. like, hey, you like doing your thing? And you're like, I don't know, I'm just trying to stay busy. Because you're like, <laughs> since you don't have this everyday focus yeah. of like, I got to go out and make all this money. Yep. Now you're like, okay, now what is life? And so it, you have to sort of like figure out a new paradigm. It's, of, it's a real thing. So here's the thing. We can get so drawn into our work as our purpose. Mm-hmm. And like, if you're in any Christian circles, there's always talk of like, you know, your purpose, Jared, yeah. all this kind of stuff. And like your yep. purpose is outside your work. Yep. But what happens is it's, we get tied to that purpose of production very naturally because we yep. spend like 40 plus hours a week doing that same thing. Yeah. And so when you're suddenly sort of relieved of that responsibility because you've arrived at a certain amount of financial success, yep. you realize that you're like, what the hell am I supposed to do with my life if not this other thing? Dude, that was me. I came down to Florida and... I could spend my whole day doing whatever I wanted. And so there was a while where we would like, I was waking up later and going to the beach <laughs> and then going to get coffee yeah. and then stopping at Everman and getting mm-hmm. bacon and eggs. And they're really, they got really good biscuits. Mm-hmm. And, and then coming home and I was like, I was lost. You're like, is this life? Yeah, <laughs> it was true. I was like, cause I've lived my whole life, like always trying to be, like just live the simplest life possible mm. because to me it was like, okay, mm. mm-hmm. the lower I can keep my expenses, the less I have to make and then the more freedom I have to yeah. do what I actually want to do. Yeah. So the more money I have, the more time I have. Mm. And I'm still that way to an extent. Just It's just kind of like how I am and who I am. Mm-hmm. So I don't actually need a ton of money mm-hmm. and I'm perfectly happy like, living a relatively simple lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so when I made a million dollars in a year, it was like, now what? Yeah. When I didn't have to go to work, yeah. it was like, well, now what? Yeah. That's why I bought my van. Yeah. <laughs> so you're <laughs> like, that's why you saw me out yeah, there. Just trying to f- kind of my fill own, time. Put my own flooring in my mm-hmm. van, right? It's like, I guess I'll just kind of fill time until 
something happens till I figure this out. Yeah, you got to find a new purpose. Yeah. 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 Mm. Got to find the, the real meaning of life, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's really easy to, especially like as Christians, it's easy for us to be like, oh yeah, the meaning of life is like Jesus. Yeah. And like, we can say that and intellectually like agree with that. But then again, it becomes difficult because you practice most of your life just working. Yeah. And so when suddenly you don't have to work, mm-hmm. then you realize like, oh crap, like I don't quite understand actually what I'm supposed to be doing because really my purpose was yeah. I just go and work and provide for my family. Yeah. And again, I'm not saying that like, oh, that's that's unworthy. I'm just saying it's sort of, if you can have the opportunity where you don't need to input all that time to mm-hmm. make enough money to live, then you have space to think about things differently. Yeah. And it presents a new set of challenges. Yeah. I want to start, you know, I read that book by the Hobby Lobby guy mm-hmm. and they give away 50% of their previous year's profits mm-hmm. the following year. I want to start doing, I'm going to start shifting, like creating businesses and then creating those businesses like to start giving back. Right. So like I was listening to a Ryan Pineda podcast and the mm-hmm. guy started the bigger pockets mm-hmm. didn't start bigger pockets, but he was on the podcast. Right. He has his new coaching. It's not a coaching program. It's mm-hmm. like a group you buy into where you can, mm-hmm. they help you set goals and they hold you accountable to your goals. Mm-hmm. Sounds pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're giving away a hundred percent, hundred percent of profits go to a charity mm-hmm. that he picked out. Sure. And it was kind of funny cause he was, he was, you know, he was challenged by one of his buddies. He was like, he was telling him, hey, I'm going to give away like 20% of the profits. And he was mm-hmm. like, well, why not 50%? Mm-hmm. He was like, dang, yeah, you know, you're you're 100% right. Why not? Mm-hmm. And then he was like, well, why not 100%? And the guy was like, dang it, you're right. I don't <laughs> yeah. I don't need any more money. Um, but it was a cool, it's, it's a cool idea. When I first read the book by the mm. guy who started Hobby Lobby, I was like, this guy's a little nuts, like mm-hmm. the way he thinks about it, but he's 100% right. And like you look at these two guys' businesses, mm-hmm. two guys that are currently giving away tons of money, right. like millions of dollars, and they're because they're thinking about their business that way, they have not only given away millions of dollars and made huge changes in the world, mm-hmm. they also have very successful businesses right. as a result of the way that they've chosen to run their businesses mm-hmm. because people want to support them because... Yeah, they're giving back to the communities. They're giving back to their employees. They're mm-hmm. giving back to certain charities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'm going to start pivoting to that. Mm-hmm. Like we just launched, I think our on Prospector for our our plumbing company, we're doing Prospector gives back, mm-hmm. where you can go to our website and people can fill in a little form mm-hmm. for an opportunity to give back to the community. And so we are we're going to set a certain percentage of our budget away, um, just to give back to the community. Right. So I'm going to start as my as we start new businesses and as they get profitable, I'm going to start just setting them up like that. Mm, sure. And then with the goal of just increasing the percentage that gets given back Yeah. over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it'll be cool. Yeah. Cool. As part of a purpose. Sure. Cause like what, like I, th- starting businesses is fun. Mm-hmm. Running businesses is fun. I love business, mm-hmm. but what good is all the money? Sure. Yeah. When you're when you're sort of piddling around your garage, like, well, yeah. I could buy stuff, I guess, but but I don't really want it, right? Yeah. yeah. I could go buy a Ferrari, but I don't want it. I could. It doesn't add anything to your life or your happiness hmm. or anything. Not at all. Hmm. But, and I think it's like important that like those of us who have skills, mm-hmm. we should probably maximize those skills to benefit other people. Yeah, I think that's why 
God gave you the skills. Yeah, and right? so it's like to to like hide behind limiting beliefs because it's just the norm or what other people do, mm-hmm. um, even though you know you could do it better and you have potential to offer more. Yep. It's like okay, well you should should lean into that. Yep. Like don't be afraid to do that. Yep. Like don't be afraid to make more money just because you have a gifting and you <laughs> were born in a place where that's actually possible. Yeah. Right? Like we're in America where we can go out and make a company and make a bunch of money. Yeah. And then have an opportunity to go and actually affect real change in the world. Yep. So what that does for me is it gives me a mm. purpose to work. Yeah. And sure. then it gives me a work to do. Yeah, sure. Because when you when you don't have to go to work and you don't have a job per se that you have to go to, I you just you lose that. Mm-hmm. I think everybody needs a work to do. Yep. So yeah, man. Cool. Um, let's just touch base right at the beginning of our conversation and just wrap it up for us. We're in a market where leads are more expensive. Leads are more expensive, so you gotta optimize in every single way. Optimize be well, first be willing to raise your prices, be yep. willing to pay more for leads, be willing to spend more on marketing. Mm-hmm charge your, you know, charge your customer for that marketing. That's mm-hmm. why you're raising your prices because that's what all the big players around you are going to do. And it's required because it's a cost of doing business. It's a cost of doing business, so right? You can't get out of it. You can't go operate your plumbing business at $200 an hour today. Right. It's just not going to work. Maybe six years ago, you could. Today, you cannot. Right. Um, and then start optimizing everything in your business. So your CSRs, when they get that phone call, they should be booking them as jobs as often as mm-hmm. possible. When you go out to the house, you should be serving the customer as best as possible. Mm-hmm. You should be maximizing the amount that you can bill for that customer every single time. And then you should be maximizing, like retaining those customers as well with your memberships, mm-hmm. right? Um, there was one other way we covered optimizing. Um, I mean, do we talk about optimizing your schedule? Yeah, optimizing your schedule. Yeah. So like optimizing going out to the, you know, highest profit, dollar profit yeah. jobs, right? Which sort of requires you have a CSR so that yep. she can assist you in that. Yep. Yep. Make sure you're going to the the big jobs first, getting the money today. Mm-hmm. Um, that way you can afford to keep that way you're maximizing the amount of money that's coming into your business, right? Yep. Then you can afford to go spend more on marketing, yep. that kind of stuff. You can afford the the high lead costs. Mm-hmm. It's not going to last forever. It is going to go away. Um, mm. And then be willing to invest in your brand and your brand equity. Yeah, brand and equity. Be willing to get on social media. Be willing to spend on getting in front of eyeballs. Be willing to sponsor local sports teams. Go mm-hmm. to local events. You know, just get your name out in the community in any mm-hmm. way you can. Yeah. Um, dang, I was going to... Oh. And realize, like... I think that maybe the main thrust of our conversation was and still is now is the time like when the real businesses show their heads. Yep. Right. This isn't like this isn't it was warm ups for the past five years. Yep. And now it's like, hey, man, if you want to be a real business, it requires you operate as a real business. Yep. Because the market is going to reject any other offering. Yep. So like if you're going to make this sacrifice to like start your own business and leave, quote unquote, the comfort of another employer. Yep. Like, dude, you got to like actually do this right. Yeah, commit to it. Yeah, because burn other, the ships. Yeah, burn the ships, commit to it. It feels uncomfortable, but you have to put yourself in a position in a position where growth is the only option. Yep. Cause otherwise it's not gonna work. And the market is turning it's gonna spit you out at this point. Yeah. Yep. Cool dude. 
Cool, man. See you next time. See you, dude.